Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Monday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Or, of course, if you end up listening after the fact on the Sports Call podcast. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress with me for the full three hours as we review what was a rough Saturday on the plains for the Auburn Tigers against Kentucky. We will... Uh, tell you what it all means and what went wrong for the Tigers on college game day on that Saturday evening tilt against Kentucky Wildcats. We'll also review Auburn baseball's opening series success. They were able to sweep Eastern Kentucky over the weekend, so we'll get into that in just a little bit. Of course, as we always do on Mondays, we will have best and worst of the weekend. That will be coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. We'll have birthdays and sports in just a little bit. And, of course, we want to hear from you on the orthopedic clinic phone line at 334 334- 887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here on this beautiful Monday afternoon on the Plains. Tom Peavy, I hope you are well, sir, and I hope you had a good weekend. I, I did have a good weekend, and it is beautiful outside. Very nice weather outside. After a, a cold morning, it has warmed up nicely and bright sunny, sunny skies. And uh it's nice to have some sunny skies because Saturday was dark and gloomy if you were a fan of the basketball program. Um, we're going to get into a lot more deep dive of that, but uh, disappointing. I, I mean, that's the best way that you could describe that. Uh, I honestly think because of the way the game turned out, one of the most disappointing games of an Auburn sports, and we've we have talked about We've had those discussions before about what of our some of our most disappointing losses, and I think that one ranks right up there just because of the hype that surrounded it, uh, the hype surrounding Neville Arena, the camping out since Wednesday, game day, hype among hype upon hype upon hype. There was no way Auburn was going to lose that game, and they got their teeth kicked in. So I, it, that honestly ranks up there as one of the more disappointing things that I've ever seen from Auburn just because of the hype surrounding it and just to get beat as bad as you did on your own home floor with all that uh, stuff surrounding it. It was just so bad. But on the bright side, the baseball team looked good uh, with a sweep, so that was good. But, uh well, yeah, we'll deep dive into all that. Otherwise, you know, weekend was good. Feel, typical weekend for me filled with mostly work and trying to keep track of uh, of sporting events. Uh, no NASCAR to talk about. Uh, is uh, the date When is Daytona cranking? It's on right? the screen, uh, 3.30 will be okay. when they uh, drop the green flag. So dropping the green flag. I will um, be incredibly distracted, and if I just zone out, uh, please say words while well, I'm zoned out and gotcha. get my attention. Yeah. Uh, well, and uh, – 
I, I think uh, our our buddy Ryan McGee said it best yesterday. He's like, you couldn't even race boats in this. It was rain. <laughs> it was raining so apparently it was raining so hard and so fierce in Daytona yesterday that uh that yeah it would have been tough to even put a boat out there on the racetrack. So Daytona's getting ready to start now here in just a second. Yeah, he also he was on Sports Center when the news broke that. Uh, that they were not going to be racing yesterday, and he was really funny. He said, is this what uh, Jeff Passan feels like <laughs> or uh, or uh, Adam Schefter? Because he was breaking right. the news that they were not racing on Sunday, which also for NASCAR to make that proclamation three or four hours before the scheduled start time uh, tells you how wet and rainy it was in Daytona Beach, Florida yesterday, but it's not today, so we'll yeah. keep you abreast of, of that a little bit later in the show. Brooks Childress, you are here on this Monday afternoon. I hope you had a good weekend as well, sir. I had a wonderful weekend. Yeah, when uh, the uh, Saturday, me and the the wife went to college game day, uh, enjoyed that. Went and played some tennis on Saturday afternoon. Um, yesterday uh, was at the baseball game, so I I've, I got the uh, the opening weekend uh, taken care of. Headed to baseball, uh, and then yeah, uh, took a little walk last night. It was very nice uh nice weather yesterday so took a little walk last night um had a great weekend uh sports wise uh overall for auburn it was kind of a mixed bag of tricks as the basketball team was obviously the headliner uh very disappointing auburn baseball got a series sweep um you know we heard from uh, butch thompson yesterday this was important because if you you think back to last year uh auburn especially even in the early non-conference for baseball had a had a hard time sweeping series there was a lot of times that they would get the first two and then go into that third game and then end up dropping it he mentioned uh pointed out you know the usc series even though that game ended in a tie uh still they, they had a chance to sweep usc last year at home didn't get that and a chance to uh to sweep a, a, a team like Indiana on opening weekend didn't get weren't, weren't able to get that so it was very important for Auburn to go out there and get a get a sweep this weekend in baseball softball didn't they didn't play after we uh, got off the air uh, on Thursday because they didn't have a day at Friday and then they were supposed to play Clemson on Saturday but they too like NASCAR had some uh, weather issues down there in uh, in Mexico uh, and so they did not play Clemson so they get set for a, a weekend back and playing some part or not playing some part at Jane B Moore Field this weekend. Uh, the Plainsman invite is what uh, is, is this weekend, so uh, they get it. They get come back, and then everybody else kind of. There was a mixed bag of winning and losing around Auburn's uh, uh, sm- uh, smaller sports, but uh, big big sports weekend to digest. All Star weekend came to a close last night with uh, the defenseless uh, All Star game where they broke a scoring record. Um, I don't know. We'll, we may get to that later on, but um, you will. It's called worst of the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> kind of preview your worst of the weekend there um but yeah super excited to get into today's show and uh talk to all of our callers about what happened this weekend absolutely so let's get to it and of course uh we will get to uh some Jalen williams fodder in just a little bit because obviously that was insult to injury towards the latter half of the second half uh, that one of him going down pretty good news for him although we don't have a lot of details, but uh, not season-ending. So we'll get into that a little bit later, too. Uh, but So Auburn, uh, punched the mouth by Kentucky, uh, losing 70-59. to Auburn never led in this one. Uh, they were hardly uh, able to even get it to around a, a one-possession game. There were a couple different times in the second half they would make runs to cut it to five or six, and then it felt like Antonio Reeves would always answer uh, at that point, he had 22 in this one. And, guys, I think we'll start here. 
if I had told you Auburn would hold an 88-point-per-game Kentucky team to 70 points, I think that you would take that every single time. However, on the heels of scoring 100 against South Carolina, the law of averages was working overtime to return Auburn back into what they've been uh, on average this year between the two games and just absolutely nothing doing for the Tigers offensively against Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, you know, it looked bad when it, when Auburn was held to just 29 points in the first half, which obviously way, way below what you're used to seeing. I mean, th- this is a team – this is an Auburn team that you see on numerous, time, on numerous occasions get into the 50s and a half. I mean, that's not unusual. So, the 29 in here – but, you know, I, I really felt like – Okay, well, you know they'll they'll put it together in the second half. I mean, surely, surely they're not going to just be this quiet the entire game. And they were; they only scored thirty in the second half. So, um, you know, defensive defensively, yeah. I mean, they they were fine. Uh, you know, Kentucky uh, they take a you know thirty nine to twenty nine at half, so they held them to thirty nine in the first and just thirty one to thirty in the second half. But you just could not score. And this is one of those games where, uh, especially when you look at the three-pointers, this is one of those games that always worried me that you don't ever want to see. Four of 22. And it's like, okay, at some point, stop shooting three-pointers. That that is, If they're not falling, then it's like, listen, you you got to figure out something else. Uh, if it, it's just not your day, but you keep shooting them, and, uh, you know, you go through here and look, you know, some of the guys that had been hitting threes, Janai Broom had been hitting threes that the, the game before Kentucky lit it up. Uh, he was 0 for 3. Jalen Williams was 0 for 2. Uh, Chris Moore and Trey Don- Donaldson 0 for 1. You know, thank goodness Denver Jones hit 3 of 7. But, uh, you know, they're just 0 on here. Chad Baker-Mazzaro 1 for 1. But everybody else was 0 for. Um, just not good. Uh, I mean, just just not good. Uh, overall, seventeen of fifty-five. Uh, I mean, from the field, absolutely the worst offensive output that we have seen this Auburn team have. Uh, it, it I mean, it was bad. It, it's it was just really bad to to shoot just thirty percent from the field, eighteen percent from three. That was the deciding factor. Um, I mean, you go in here and look at the rebounds. Uh. Auburn, uh, Auburn, Auburn was ahead on the offensive rebounds, which is odd because the beginning of the game, Auburn, it was like Kentucky was just pulling down every single like they were pulling down every single offensive rebound that would come to them. They were pulling them down, but Auburn ends up with the advantage there. A little bit of an advantage on the defensive rebounds for Kentucky, but I mean thirty nine to thirty six overall in rebounds, not that bad. Uh, turnovers twelve to eleven, pretty even. I mean most of this stuff was pretty even. Uh, uh, so turnovers twenty three to ten. Uh, the points off turnovers twenty three to ten in favor of Kentucky. Uh, the paint uh, pretty big advantage ten point advantage for Kentucky thirty six to twenty six. Uh, second chance points twenty to ten in favor of Kentucky. That one kind of jumps out. Uh, then of course Auburn's bench outscores them twenty eight to fifteen. So uh, you know if you just look at the stats, the overall stats they're relatively even Auburn favor gets the favor in some of them Kentucky gets the favor in some but nothing outrageous but then you just look at the shooting and it was bad like I said 
17 of 55 from the field. You're not going to win many games shooting that poorly. Uh, and it was unfortunate that, you know, I, I, could underst- I could understand this happening if you go into Lexington and, and you have a shooting performance like this in Rupp Arena because it's not an arena you're used to shooting in and mm. different backdrop and different things like that. I get that. But in your own home to, to struggle shooting and – a lot of these were open shots. It was it was not like every single shot Auburn tried to take had somebody up in their face and contesting. There there were some contested shots, sure, but I mean there were plenty of open shots that Auburn had, and they just couldn't they just couldn't make them. And I know I know we're gonna have I know at least one caller is gonna ask the question why. Like I don't have the answer why sometimes. In basketball, there's a cover on the rim, and you just can't explain it. And I think that's what this was. I mean, this team will turn around uh, their next game, and they may score 100. And you're like, you know, why couldn't we do that at home against uh, Kentucky? You know, I don't know. Don't have that answer. Sometimes in basketball, the shots just don't go down, and that's what it felt like for Auburn. It's so – in terms of disappointment, this is this is pretty up there. Uh, I would say this year it feels to me about the same as that Florida game a couple weeks ago uh, or last week, um, where you you had a, you went down and you you know you were the better team, uh, you had a chance to do something. Where with the Florida game at least you had a chance to do something that Auburn has not done in quite some time, and it was kind of it was very much a letdown. You were dominated the whole game. This was a chance to continue to do something that you have been doing, where you've beaten Kentucky at home, you've beaten them, uh, and it's it's not been a you know, Auburn fans at at this point now. It, it's when you get Kentucky at home, you kind of you you've started at least under Bruce Pearl, you started expecting to beat them. Um, I think that you know out of the last six meetings at in Auburn in Neville Arena, uh, Kentucky's only won well up until Saturday. Kentucky had only won one, and now it's two of the last seven. Kentucky has won inside Neville Arena. It felt to me, and you know, I, I think what's really disappointing about this is how bad of a defensive team Kentucky has been this year, and for them to come in and shut down Auburn like this. And and I, it, it, part of it is the shooting, part of it is the the four of twenty two from from uh, from three points. Uh, but overall, still, you only hit seventeen field goals, including those four. That that's that's not good, and and that's yeah. you know you're, that's playing also playing to your strengths, getting it inside, getting and so. Kentucky got out there, and I, I, you know, you credit Kentucky's game plan, and and Calipari, you know, it, it said, I, I believe, with the quote was pregame that they felt really good about this game. They came into this game feeling really good, and a lot of teams say that. A lot of teams go into bigger, big games against big opponents and say we feel really good about this game. They they felt really good about this game, and they they showed up on the court Saturday. It felt to me like. Auburn was, and especially early with a lot of the missed threes, they were trying to get the lid to blow off the place with some of these threes. Right. Which is something that is, it's, you know, it plays in your advantage because you've got the crowd, and the crowd was, I think, the for at least the, the first part of that game, the crowd was ready to blow. Like, they were amped up. It felt like they Auburn was a little too amped, though. And I don't want to say, like, you know, why, you know, I, I don't know why because Auburn's been in these games before. Auburn has played in college game day games before. They've played in college game day games against Kentucky before. Maybe not all of these players have, but the majority of them, Jalen Williams has been around for college game day games. Broom was here last year. Donaldson was here last year. Katie Johnson was here last year. All these guys that are the leaders of your team were here for college game day games. 
um, and they have experience in those games. So I don't know. It it just it felt to me like everybody was a little too amped early, and by the time you started to get a little bit of a footing, not much, but a little bit, Kentucky had taken control of that basketball game, and their their talent that we we talked about late last week they they had not performed up to their their standard and not performed up to their potential they still had talent they still have talent across the board on 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 there and you know they the one of their guys um was out saturday uh and credit um i think it was was it onyenso that stepped up for him uh that got the start i think it was onyenso that got that that ended up starting that game he had a good game. He had, you know, uh, seven points, but he was still he was he, he had a good game. He hit the shot that uh, early from about the free throw line that sent them over uh, gave them the lead that they kept for the rest of the time. Um, you know, it's it, it's there there was there's a lot of different factors that went into it. Shooting was was a big part of it. You know, the the I think some another part of it, and I've said this before. I don't like to go and attack referees or anything. I don't think this game was overly bad but there were some bad calls and you you watch the tv broadcast there were some questionable calls that even you know the that the espn guys said uh, i don't know you know this was there supposed to like this there was something there and there was a couple of, of times where they went to the review and they're like why are we reviewing this this is there's nothing to review here and so it was it was it was a mixed bag Auburn got dominated. It's it's the the disappointment is the fact that you came out against the Kentucky team on college game day and you had that type of performance uh, against the team that had been really struggling. And if you had beat Kentucky, you put them outside the top 25 this week. Yeah. I, well, you know, and so I, that's why I go back to saying that, uh, you know, to me this ranks right up there with some of the more uh, embarrassing losses uh, that I could think of. Uh, leading up to that game, obviously, you know, the whole Tent City thing, and it was – so many people are highlighting it, but it felt like it was even more – than normal because I mean they started camping out Wednesday and they kept showing the pictures and talking about the tents are all the way down to Wire Road and then Jay Billis and the and uh Baker Mazzara and uh uh Dylan did the whole walk down the concourse and they're just hyping up the village and just I uh all the national media and the SEC folks were talking you know you start getting now Everybody know, has known that Neville Arena is, is a tough place to play, but now you're having folks saying it's more it's tougher now than Cameron Indoor Arena. Like it has taken over Cameron at Duke as the most hostile environment. Uh, guys are talking about it's the most hostile environment of any sports venue in the SEC, regardless of what sport you're talking about. I mean, just hype. I haven't felt that type of hype around the crowd. I felt like this game embarrassed the Auburn crowd more than anything. Obviously, the players, you know, should be embarrassed for the way that they played and with all the hype on there. But it felt more embarrassing for the fans because you, the fans and the students, they have just been soaking up this hype and talking a lot of smack and just, you know, rightfully so talking smack, but just it, you you had a, a, a kind of a sense of uh, uh, invincibility is almost what it felt like. There's no way Kentucky is going to come in here and win this game. It's the best it's the best venue in the SEC. It's the best student section in the SEC. It's the best college basketball venue 
in the NCAA outside of maybe Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas. It's the best of this. It's the best. It's the best, Brooks. Best. It is the best. There's no way Kentucky's going to come here and beat Auburn. Yep, that game was over with about five minutes in, felt like. Yep. Uh, I summed up pretty well right there. We're going to go ahead and take our first timeout of the show. Uh, we'll have more thoughts from this game when we come back. We'll also get to the orthopedic clinic phone line in just a little bit. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. To the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award winning sports call Auburn. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. Continuing to review the Auburn and Kentucky matchup from Saturday evening inside of Neville Arena. And again, we're talking specifically about this offensive performance because, uh, again, I thought that energy and effort-wise it was there. And even to the point where Brooks maybe mentioned a little bit overboard yeah. uh, in terms of excitement and that sort of thing. And I think it was highlighted specifically early in the game. Auburn had a couple chances in transition that they completely blew. They had a, a sequence where Chad Baker Mazzara made a beautiful dribble move, got past his defender, but then tried to throw it behind his back uh, and threw it away. And then there was another situation that was, I believe, a three-on-one fast break opportunity. And it ends up, they don't get a layup. They get two wide-open threes off of it, a corner three. And then I think Hallway got a three off and missed both. And so they didn't score on that. And to me, that was the almost the cloak of invincibility coming off the South Carolina game. Right. Whereas you scored 100 you shot 60% from three, almost 60% from the floor. You did not a thing wrong all night against South Carolina. And and there's one thing to take confidence into the next game because that's what's supposed to happen there is momentum and, and just the belief that you're playing better and better. However, they took it to an extreme, and I think that combined with the fact that it was game day and you had all this energy – I think you guys are right. I think that in the first few moments of the game, they were looking for the highlight play, not the productive play. And then that's what led to a frustration and and the quick waning of confidence in the right. second half because you were trying to make a statement early and punch first. You didn't. You kept missing your punches. And then that just led to 
more three-point attempts not going the way you want them to, foul trouble for some guys, and it just snowballed, and it was all built off of a frustration of them not being able to land the first punch. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the first part of that game I was listening on the radio, and uh, Sonny Smith, uh, he kept seeing it, and he kept saying it. He's like, we're pressing. And he didn't mean press, defensive right. press. press. He means pressing on the offensive side of things where just – Trying too hard to make something happen, and that's that's not a good recipe if you're doing that. And uh, yeah, especially early in that game, it, it just uh, you know uh, there, I know there was a turnover, and I, I did it. Obviously, I'm watching on the, on the or I'm listening on the radio. Uh, there was a pass to Dylan Cardwell that uh, he muffed, and it went out of bounds. And they were like, you know, oh, he had a dunk if he was able to corral the ball. You know, he missed that. Kentucky goes down, scores. Auburn comes down, you know, gets it around, gets it around, gets it around, fires up a three, misses. Kentucky goes on the floor, scores. Auburn comes down, turns it over. Kentucky goes on the floor, scores. And it's like, okay, uh, you know, this is what I'm listening to on the radio. I'm like, oh, boy, what is happening right here? Uh, I mean, at that point, the loudest cheer I heard was after the national anthem. And, you know, it – it felt like early on it just uh, it sucked the life out of the arena. Uh, the crowd just couldn't get into it. The players couldn't get into it, and they tried and tried, you know, too hard maybe to get the crowd into it. And Kentucky just kind of kept marching forward. And yeah, Auburn second half, Auburn tried to make some strides. They tried to put those runs together, but you know, Kentucky always had the answer. And uh, yeah, obviously they they had no uh, they had no answer for uh, for Antonio Reeves. He yeah, he's he's going to be first team All SEC. Yeah. He's uh, trailing Dalton Connect as just right. about everyone is. It, yep, go ahead. It, let me let's just also say this: um, Kentucky is no slouch. Okay this this is not a this is not a this is not a Kentucky team that is like a bad team. Uh, their record doesn't show it. That's one of the reasons that they have been – Kentucky fans have been so angry at, at Calipari. The, this team is supposed to be a championship caliber team. On paper, when you look at the, 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 the ranking, the recruiting rankings of these guys that they have on here, this is supposed to be a national championship team sure. that he has put together. Uh for whatever reason, and it's one of those things that happens a lot of times whenever you're bringing in so many stud players, a lot of times they don't gel together. And I don't think these guys have gelled. Maybe they're starting to figure it out. Right. Well, so it's defense with them. Because offensively, right. Right. they are everything you want them to be. They've scored right. 100 a few times this year. Right. They're top five, 10 in the country in scoring. Sure. And that's why we open with, hey, giving up 70 points. Auburn's defense did a good job. It wasn't lack right. of focus on that end. Um, but Antonio Reeves, this is from Kyle Tucker of the Athletic. He covers Kentucky. Uh, this was when your best player goes to work, and this is why sometimes it's important to establish who a go-to guy is. Auburn got to five late first half. Antonio Reeves corner three. 
Auburn got to five with 12 minutes to go. I think it was 47-42, Reeves driving layup. Auburn got to 49-44 with 11 minutes left, Reeves driving layup. Seven-point game with nine minutes to go, Reeves driving layup. And then Auburn went down nine, eight and a half to go, Reeves corner three. So really the last time Auburn was trying to make some hay, you, you heard there was a little bit of a hay made at the end of the first half, Reeves quieted it. But Auburn had that sequence, basically down five to seven to nine points for about three to four minutes from the 12-minute mark to the 8-minute mark of the second half. And Antonio Reeves answered them every single time, four yeah. four times. Uh, and so that is the kind of player that he is and the kind of offensive players they have up and down the lineup. The other thing I will give credit for Kentucky for, because they are all year long, they've been a bad defense. They've got two good defensive games in a row, one against Ole Miss, now against Auburn. The one thing they did well defensively for sure is that they created a lot of on-the-ball pressure for the point guards, for Trey Donaldson, for Aiden Holloway, and for Denver Jones a little bit. And what they were able to do is create turnovers that led to points, and they were able to make it really late in the shot clock when Auburn was able to get into offense. So sometimes Auburn created an open jump shot, an open three, an open 17-footer, but it was so late in the shot clock, and it was kind of rushed in that sense. And so it's not that Kentucky maybe even finished possessions out very well defensively or, or defended every single position, one through five, very well, but they really made Auburn agitated in being able to get something quick and get something with their guards and really made them work. And usually Auburn did create a good look, but it was from the perimeter, and that's where the 22 threes come in. Right. And it's kind of frustrating too because on one hand I agree with you Tom 22 threes when you're just breaking and breaking and breaking is too many but also that's what they were able to create everything else was was very difficult for them to be able to get because of the late shot clock situations and of the 22 threes I was counting them I really only felt about four of them were bad threes I felt there was a a Trey Donaldson three pretty late in the game that was dumb I, I thought that there was uh, a Chris Moore three early in the shot clock in general. I don't want Chris Moore shooting three, so right. I just kind of rated that one off. Uh, there was a Janai Broom contested uh, corner three early in the shot clock that wasn't the best. And I can't recall. I think it was maybe a Aiden uh, Hallway three that was rushed or, or something like that or a KD three, one of the two uh, that was contested and rushed. But other than that, I, I remember Chaney Johnson's three-point look was wide open. Mm-hmm. Hallway had a couple wide open looks off a of transition. Um, you know, Jalen Williams had normal looking threes for him, late contest from a defender because he's stretched four. I mean, these were quality shots that they got from three. And make them. That's unfortunately, I, I hate to use this phrase again, phrase again, but that's kind of the law of average deal where Auburn made every single open three they had on Wednesday night against South Carolina. I right. mean, teams don't shoot, even great teams don't shoot 60% from three. <laughs> right. However, not even bad teams shoot four of 22 from three. And so Auburn went completely other end of the pendulum to where you, Denver Jones was three of seven. The rest of the team's one of 15. Yeah. You know, and you take Baker Mazar's one for one out. Those two were combined four for eight. The rest, 0 oh for 14. Yeah. So it was, it was team wide. Guys that are still better than that. This is not a great three point team. It's still in the 200s nationwide, but it's still anything, anyone's better than 422. Did not matter what kind of look they generated from three. It was not going, and unfortunately, it balanced the scales from Wednesday night when it seemed like they couldn't miss yeah. a single three. Yeah. Well, like I said, you know, all, you know, everything that you just <laughs> talked about. Yeah, I just I wanted to point out that the, 
this Kentucky roster is not a bunch of just scrubs that no. you know all of a sudden Calipari just he was just trying to find whoever he could to come and fill the roster. It, pretty much everybody on that roster are like the McDonald's All American type. These are guys that are going to probably be playing in the NBA or play at least getting the shots at the NBA. I mean, this is one. Of, he had one of the best recruiting classes that they've ever had. I mean, they 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 typically have recruiting classes that are top of the nation. That was the same way with this. I mean, but they haven't figured out defensively. To clarify, they they've really struggled on defense. But yeah. Auburn played a really good team. The record just doesn't show it because they've struggled on defense. But this is one of those, I think, a dangerous Kentucky team that if they can clean their stuff up on defense like they did against Auburn, it's a team that can make a Final Four run because, I mean, the roster is built for that. So that's that's the thing I, I think most Auburn fans are kind of maybe not looking at it. they just look at the record well they were 17 and 7 coming into the game 18 and yeah. 7 now um it was like oh you know Kentucky's ripe for the taking you know they they're having a bad year you know we got them like well you found out wrong <laughs> yeah that, well, and and too we talked on Friday a little bit um that the thing that worried me too was that this was a different style of team in South Carolina i thought uh, I thought Auburn would win still, but I thought that Kentucky's path would be to score the ball a lot and then have Auburn have a rough shooting night because they were coming off such a, a, a dominant offensive performance on Wednesday. I thought maybe they'd lo- if they lost, they could lose an 85-77 to 77 game where they didn't shoot the three well or that sort of thing. But, I mean, again, com- to completely get bogged down this way because even from two-point, I mean, look, 13 of 33 is not awful, but still usually you want to be – over fifty percent uh, when you're when it comes to um, two point range. I mean, usually you're trying to end up fifty five, sixty percent, that sort of thing. And to be under fifty percent from two is even below average. So even that did not go as well as you wanted it to. Uh, and, and so it really was a complete disappointment there on offense. And in my estimation, and I said this after the game. Uh, this was the worst offensive performance of the year because while they did score only 58 at Mississippi State, you got to consider, like you guys talked about the environment, you're at home, how important this game was. SEC standings, Auburn's in a in a dire spot now. I mean, they got to win they're, out. They're, they're, right. yeah, they're done. They, they got, well, they got to win out. Yeah. And, and they're not going to, but right. they got to win out. They're not eliminated, but they got to win out. Yeah. Uh, and um, also from the standpoint of, even the numbers, pace of play, who you're playing. Mississippi State's a physical team that wants a right. lower scoring game. Kentucky has had two or three of these games all year. The rest of them have been 85, 90, 95 point, uh, you know, type of games. And so uh, it was just, I, it was by far the worst offensive performance of the season, in my opinion. And, and to come at this time was so disappointing uh, because of the stakes of the Kentucky game. Uh, and also, you know, you, you were. You've had a lot of success against Kentucky, relatively speaking, at home. Not 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 in Rupp, but they what what were five and one under Bruce Pearl at Neville Arena, yeah. even winning the Kareem Canty game uh, of the of the mid twenty tens. So uh, really, I think the only one they had lost was the twenty nineteen Tyler Hero year, where Hero right. and Brown went went uh, went up against each other towards the end. So 
I, I just, with everything on the line, that's why it was incredibly disappointing. It was the worst offensive performance of the year and uh, tough one to swallow, tough one to swallow given the, given the circumstances of that. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll start to wrap up hour number one. Do you want to update you on the status of Jalen Williams and what his injury might mean for the Tigers and how Auburn will proceed if they are without him for a little while? You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. <laughs> call crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 this is philip lolly former auburn tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 national championship team and you are listening to sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday. They're wrecking in Daytona. Already wrecking inside of 10 laps, and uh, Jimmy Johnson already involved in the 84. Harrison Burton's day is done. Uh, that happened mid-last segment, too. I kept composure and kept going, right. but they're showing the aftermath, and already six or seven cars are are damaged, and at least two or three are out on the Daytona 500. Well, the, the 21 car is lucky he didn't go for a flipping ride because he got spun and going sideways. Fortunately, the uh, the aerodynamic panels that come up kind of kept him on the ground because uh, you see it time and time again when those cars get sideways, especially in the grass like that, they, they want to they want to go aloft like an airplane, actually. I mean, yeah. it's pretty much the exact same aerodynamic thoughts of – you know, speed and the the loft and everything. That's usually what gets those cars up off the ground. But they have these panels that keep them on, keep them grounded. And uh, the panels did the work, and he stayed upright. So, uh, just a lot of hard impacts in this wreck here at Daytona. Just no no upside down cars. Yeah, and they, NASCAR's obviously worked on that to to try to get the flip out of it because the flip has become. Yeah. One of the most dangerous aspects of the wreck, and I know that's shocking. Any any car flipping is ideally not going to be very safe. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so already a wreck there at the 500. We will keep you updated on that, and uh, hopefully uh, they will not all wreck before lap 200. They yeah. will wreck at some point, but hopefully we get back to the uh, – 
the white flag into the check flag yeah. for that. A lot of these cars look like Auburn's basketball team heading to the locker room at the end of that game Saturday. Too soon, Tom. Too soon. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about Jalen Williams because Jalen Williams, unfortunately, he went to the locker room before uh, the game expired on Saturday with a knee injury. Of course, there was a lot of speculation, even from Coach Bruce Pearl, Early who, who bad, didn't, yeah. did not think it, uh, it sounded good. However... Uh, we got the news yesterday that uh, it is not season-ending uh, and there should not be a surgery involved. And so some hope that Jalen Williams will not miss too much time. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of other details, though. Uh, we don't know exactly if it's we're talking meniscus or we're talking a sprained ligament somewhere in there, uh, hyperextension, any, any of that stuff. And so we really don't know the extent of it it is somewhat of a fortuitous time for auburn to have the midweek open even if this is a multi-week injury that's one less game that he will miss because of having the midweek open but i will tell you this um from a timing standpoint your two toughest games remaining on the schedule are probably these next two the venue uh having to go to athens and then, obviously, if you were playing Tennessee on the moon, that would be difficult. But, obviously, going to Thompson Bowling Arena uh, will be difficult. So, you've got these two road games coming up for Auburn. Uh, who will have to, to step up in Jalen Williams' absence if he is going to miss time? Again, we we really are kind of flying blind a little bit. It, it's possible he's back in a week or two. But I would think that if it is a knee and some sort of sprain or hyperextension or something, it would have to be a couple weeks out. Uh, but, but look, again, it's not more than a month because then they would say it could be season-ending. So they're confident it's not season-ending, but we just don't know the timetable. But, alas, if he misses time, uh, what's that going to mean for Auburn? Uh, well, um, a lot of scoring's going. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of scoring. But, see, the, I don't want to downplay it because, I mean, losing Jalen Williams is uh, – or I, I let me say that, correct that. We don't know that you have lost Jalen Williams, but losing Jalen Williams for any sort of period of time is bad. You don't want that. However, the one good thing is the way that Bruce Pearl has built this roster is you should not miss too much of a beat because that's one of the things they've talked about with the depth on here is that if if one player goes down or somebody's having a bad day, there's somebody that can step up there and take over that. Obviously, you don't you don't ever want to be missing the scoring of Jalen Williams and the electrifying play that he brings to the court. But at least you have depth that you feel like that you can get somebody in there and play, and maybe not have a massive drop off. So, fortunately for Auburn, they are very very deep to where they can do that. Now that also means though that somebody's going to have to play some extended minutes. Uh, you know, you obviously have to if if you're if he does miss some games, you're you know gonna have to figure out a way to kind of keep that depth. But obviously, somebody's gonna have to get a little bit more playing time. But it's that's why that's why that team is built the way they are. Is in case you do have something bad happen, at least you've got some guys that can step up in there. It's it's not a situation where you're like, Lord of mercy, if we lose this guy, then we're toast. Like we have nobody that can play that spot. You know, no, there's a couple of guys that can get in there and, and do it and maybe give you even better scoring output than Jalen has. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah, I know he went out with an injury, but, I mean, he wasn't worth a poot in this game. And then he goes and gets hurt. Uh, you know, 
Yeah. You, the thing is, though, you have to look at the rest of the season is there's been so many games, and we've even highlighted it because he's been voted uh, Sports Call Player of the Week several times this season, that he's led the team in scoring for multiple games. Sure. It's, it's been it's been him and uh, Janai Broom have been the two guys that have been the leading scorers for Auburn in nine-tenths of the games that, that Auburn's played this year. So scoring-wise, I, I agree with you, you. The way that this this team is constructed with so many, you know, w- with so many minutes going to the bench – and with so many such a rotation that Bruce Pearl has, positionally, it should not be a problem to have somebody there that can play that position. It's the point total that I think is going to be the the problem here. And I think a guy, I, I think that you you know you look at I think probably Chris Moore is going to have to get some more minutes uh, at at that position. I think Chad Baker Mazzara is going to be a guy that steps up. I think Chad Baker Mazzara is the guy that I would trust the most to to get close to the point output that that uh, that Jalen Williams does. Is he going to get to averaging you know or not av- or averaging? Is he going to get to that point where he and he is partnering up with Janai and putting, you know, both of them putting up 20-something points per game on, on really good nights? I don't think so. Yeah. But he's a guy that can step up and, and have a have a have some some positive impact there when it comes to to scoring. I, I think that you may, and here, here's another thing, you may move Janai and have a have a double you play Dylan Cardwell and Janai Broom at the same point. I, I think that could be a, a that could be a position. You know, you, you get some more size in there and and play both of those at the same uh, at the same time. You're going to have to do some creative stuff, um, but not too creative because, uh, uh, like you mentioned, Tom, there's so many bench minutes that go on there. It's the point total that I'm worried about for Auburn these next few games when he's out. Exactly. And look, I, I agree. Uh, you can't undersell how complete of a player Jalen Williams has been, and the the thing about it is he's playing in kind of an, a position group where I don't think it's just simply, oh, these guys don't score as much because they don't get as much volume. Chris Moore's not going to go score 13 points a game. I'm sorry, it won't happen. Uh, Chaney Johnson is, I think, at least somewhat limited in what he's going to be able to do from a production standpoint. He has uh, struggled from three. Uh, he's he's pretty solid inside of the three point line. He's his athleticism has held up well in this level. I don't think he's going to get thirteen or fourteen points a game though. What you're looking at is maybe a higher output for Chad Baker Mazar, who by the way has been playing a lot, even though he comes off the bench. He's been playing twenty four, yeah. twenty five, twenty six minutes a game uh, anyway in, in conference play. But I think you might be asking him to take more shots. But it's not as simple as if like Denver Jones got injured. And you just tell Katie Johnson to, to pull a few more times, or you tell uh, Trey Donaldson to be a little bit more aggressive. I know Donaldson had a really rough one against Kentucky, but he's been a guy that has been consistently efficient. And 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 if he shot more, it probably would not be a bad thing. Uh, you know, you you don't have as many scoring options down there uh, at, at your at your forward position as you do guard position, at least from from guys that you feel comfortable taking more shots with. So. Look, I do think it's a big deal. I also think it's a big deal in a game specifically when you're looking for tough road buckets um, and you're looking for – like role players usually play better at home. It's something to talk about in professional basketball. It's why it's harder to win on the road sometimes in the NBA. The role guys will hit four threes at home and they'll go one of seven on the road. And I, I, I kind of think that can happen in college too. It's a little easier for a role guy to work themselves into a big game at home as opposed to the road. 
Uh, the road is usually when you count on your vets and your truly best players, and, and sometimes that has been really necessary for Jalen Williams, and sometimes when he's not playing well, you see how much the team struggles, and usually when he does play well, which is more times than not, how much he enhances the performance of the team. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on and we get more details about his injury, but for now, we are out of time in hour number one. Still to come in hour number two, your phone calls on the Orthopedic Point phone line, 334 334- 887-3401 or toll-free 1 at 888-9-TIGER-9 and join us there. Also, we'll get to birthdays and sports, and we'll get into some Auburn baseball as the Auburn Tigers on the baseball diamond did have a very successful weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call, starting right now, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this beautiful Monday afternoon. One scheduling note for you as we start hour number two of today's show there will be a abbreviated sports call tomorrow, and so we will barely have an hour number two. We'll be getting off air about 4.10 or 4.15 tomorrow afternoon, and we'll have Borgard High School baseball coming up at 4.30, and you will hear yours truly, Tom Peavy, out there at Borgard with Tim Sin and the guys. Uh, so excited about that one. So just a brief show tomorrow as we officially kick off and throw first pitch of our high school baseball and softball seasons with Beauregard here on 95.9 and Smith Station over on FM Talk 93.9. Tom, I expect you to be in red, white, and blue because it's home opener tomorrow for the Hornets. Red, white, and blue? Yeah. I can do that. Yeah. I, I might wear my uh, fish shirts. All right. Okay. Not the band. You know, the, I, I, <laughs> the, the Hornets colors are, are blue and, and gold or yellow. Right. Blue and gold, yeah. But, but, it's, but, you know, opening day, you get, the, get all the red, white, and blue bunting out. You put it all over the parks uh-huh. and everything. True. It's, so I, I, I expect Tom to be out there in, in some red, white, and blue tomorrow. Yeah. It's home opener. We're excited about it. And so we will have uh, shortened shows, of course, pretty much whenever Borgard does have uh, a baseball or softball game that we're airing. So, again, we'll keep you uh, abreast of that whenever uh, we have one of those. We have one on Tuesday, and we should be having one on Thursday. We'll let you know the details of that on Wednesday. Let's start hour number two by going to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up here in hour number two. Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you today? Well, I'm glad it's Monday. 
Yes, and it's I'm a new week. You that question. It's not Saturday. But uh, good afternoon to you guys, and always thank you for taking my phone call. So, guys, you know, when uh, I was growing up, I used to watch a sports uh, show religiously every Saturday. It was called ABC's Wide World Sports. Yep. And there was a gentleman on there who was a great uh, host. His name was Kurt Gowdy. And when they began uh, their show, they'd always show people like, I think, the skier who was skiing down a slope and crashes. And they showed someone doing an uh, extraordinary sports feat. Well, then they announced would come on ABC's Wire World Sports, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. Yep. So that's what it was like for me. I don't know about all you guys are sports, are sports fan, but the thrill of victory was South Carolina's 40-point victory. And then we had the agony of defeat. Yeah. Yep. Now, I've heard your comments, guys, and they were well thought out. I even listened to, well, I think it was uh, Chad Baker-Mazzari, uh, who they had after the, uh, on the radio show post-game interview with, his comments, what they did. And then I was with Coach Pearls, what they did, what we did, what we didn't do, what I didn't ever hear, guys. And I even heard your comments, not necessarily the why, but how could you perform this damn badly? What I have not read a reasonable explanation. I've heard you guys. Uh, this happened. I even looked at stats. We actually proved the second half somewhat. But God Almighty, you can't be this bad that quickly. But yet they were. And if I could get a candid answer from any of the players, I would love to ask them, what happened? How did you perform this damn badly and shoot so god-awfully even when you had open wide shots? What is a reasonable possibility that this could have happened this badly so quickly, guys? Because, Steve, these are outlier performances. And Wednesday, I know you don't want to accept it. I know you don't want to accept it. No, Steve. I thought Florida was an outlier performance. Okay, so... A, you can have more than one outlier performance because you go into what becomes your average. But then, two, do you think that Wednesday was an outlier performance last Wednesday against South well, yeah. Carolina? Yeah. Okay. But this was on our, our, our home court, which were undefeated, and it was against the all odds. Uh, you know the odds. Well, I don't know if you do. But first, the game day people, which I watched, all picked us to win. Okay. Then all the computer models I looked at, ESPN's BPI, 87%. Team rankings, uh, computer model, 86%. Uh, team RPI, I think, yeah, uh, they have a sports line, 85%. I said, there's no damn way we should win this, lose this game. It shouldn't be close. Not but, was it not even close. Well, we lost the game. Well, that's that, what I'm appalled by, guys. Well, that's why you never trust those statistics. And the, the thing is, basketball is one of those – basketball is one of those sports where – Bad days happen. Uh, you see it all the time in the NCAA tournament. I mean, you see it all the time with with other teams. I mean, some, Purdue. I didn't think uh, there's no reason that Purdue should have gotten beat by Ohio I State. Saw Ohio that State. Game. I saw that game. Yeah. that was on the road at Ohio State. Sure, but, I, but I'm is, I'm just saying that home court. This is at home. At home. No, no. I, we had a five and one record against them. Right. I I get that. And one of the worst defenses, according to SEC staff. Uh, that we were played against. Yeah, ba- basketball is one of those. Basketball is is the sport of where if you're if you're having a bad game, 
there's not a lot of wiggle room for, you know, it's not like football where you have so many guys on the field that, you know, you can have a couple of guys that are having a bad day, but you have enough other guys on the field that can do it, you know, and, and help support that. In baseball, if you've got one or two guys that just can't seem to hit for that game, there's other guys that can that can back you up on that. Basketball, I mean, there's only five guys on the floor, and, and I get it, Auburn rotates a lot of guys in. And, yeah, nobody had a good game. You can't sit there and look at the roster for Auburn and say anybody had a good game. Uh, it was bad all the way around. Well, now, but, now hold on now. But that's now, bad. Now, but so that far. is basketball. Not so fast. Janai Broom had 14 points. Denver Jones, 12. And Chad Bigmazar, 14. But Jaden Williams, uncharacteristically, three points. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I mean, I would say even you know for Janai Broom, from what he's been doing in the you know the past several games, uh, I mean, yeah, okay, he got fourteen points, but I mean, he's zero for three from three point. I mean, the dude could not miss from three. It seemed like against South Carolina, he went zero for three. Uh, he was still that's only. That's how it beat us. The three points didn't beat us. I'll take. They only made three. Uh, was it a four? Uh, three pointers. That was it. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. I, I thirteen. Yeah. Steve, all I, all I can tell you is in basketball, these things happen, and because there's not, there's just not a lot of wiggle room to to have a bad game and be able to survive it. I, Auburn had a bad game. I I don't know. I don't know the how. I don't know the why. Obviously, they just could not shoot the basketball in their own home stadium. I that. That's what gets me and blows my mind is that in your own home venue where you shoot all the time and you have a game where you just couldn't buy a basket i don't have i don't have the answer for that steve i i really don't um other than everybody went ice cold and i think some of it was pressing especially early uh like we talked about trying to do things to blow the roof off the place because everybody understood the hype and the excitement around that and sometimes when that happens you try a little too hard to try to make things happen, and it got away from them. And then it just felt like Auburn kept pressing and pressing and pressing, trying to make something happen, and it just would not happen. But, I, you know, I hate to sound like a broken record, but that's sometimes that happens in basketball. It, it, it just does. Auburn, Auburn is not the only one that has had something like this happen to them. I, you know, they're – there's no exact answer for why or how it just it happens it and unfortunately Auburn was the 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 bad recipient of of terrible performance in front of their home crowd. Well, on a lighter side, uh, I happened to just coincidentally after the game run into a uh, study uh, by some psychologists on uh, cursing. So let me read. and it said I don't know how they found this out. But the average American curses around 80 to 90 times a day. <laughs> All right. So I discovered, guys, that I apparently, at least in that category, I am above average. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I'm I, sure Saturday was even above I, that. I, I was yeah. going to say, I, I'm sure that a lot of Auburn fans surpassed that in just that time span of that ball game. Now, I did, you know, the, the referees did not lose a game for us. However, I thought, man, some of these calls, uh, even the announcer you talked about, there was one in which uh, Janiah Broom gets called for a foul, and the guy falls on his own for Kentucky. I said, yeah, how in the him, world? I think. 
Well, how yeah. did that happen? How was that a foul, guys? Yeah, a missed calls. There, I there mean, were some missed calls. Yeah. Um, Jalen had Jalen had the. Well, yeah, when he gets knocked down, he gets mauled, knocked down viciously. No foul called. Yeah, uh, there there were definitely some questionable officiating things there, but you know the officials didn't make Auburn shoot four of twenty-two from three. No, no, I agree. I just pointed out these sure. teams egregious. And then, guys, was it right? Can they? I mean, is that legitimate to them to take away? Um, they, they call goaltending at first, of course, and then right. after they didn't review it right then, they waited until they and after they put the points on, they took them away, and then we didn't get possession. Is that how it works? You don't get possession of the ball, right? I mean, yeah, that that is unfortunately the loophole there, and they they do that. Here's the reason why they do it: they don't want to cause more stoppages of play than there already are, so they go and look at it at the next timeout as to not you know provide another stoppage. But unfortunately, the loophole is is yeah, Auburn loses possession on a play where it goes straight out of bounds and would have been you know retained by Auburn. So unfortunately, that is the loophole in that. But again, the reasoning is to there's already a lot of stoppages, not to add one more. But I agree that uh, you know that's that's a tough one to swallow when you're a victim of a circumstance and you know they got the call right, but then Auburn does not get to retain possession because of that. Okay, and then I couldn't understand sometimes, guys, why were we making showboating kind of uh, dunks that didn't go wide, that didn't go in? Uh, I think Jalen did one of them, which he blasted. Of course, it bounces out. I said, just just make the damn basket, you know. Just lay it in. Don't do something that's, you know, showboating time, right? Yeah, I mean, again, trying to, trying to make highlight plays. Trying to make highlight plays, and, and they – Especially early in the game, we're we're trying to do that in a number of ways, and I think that set them up to, to fail fail later in the game too. And then I said, okay, I'm not giving up at the halftime because I, I I know you guys recall we were losing by me by ten points to Ole Miss, and we came back in the second half, right? Right. Yep. Yeah. Didn't happen. Okay. Uh, about Jalen Williams, guys. I just read from Tony Marshall. He says from reliable sources that it looks like Jalen Williams. Should be back or could could be back after the next two games. All right, so yeah, we we were speculating or trying not to speculate too much on timetable, but just what it would be like without him. But if he does miss the next two games, I, I would I would tell you that those are probably the most important two games remaining on Auburn's schedule, just given that they do have the home tilt with Georgia uh, in March, and they have a home Mississippi State game. They got the worst team in the SEC on the road. Uh, these next two games are their toughest two games. So if it is that he misses these two, I mean, these are two big ones to miss. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on. Uh, thank goodness uh, the base, baseball team actually did the sweep and got some good plays from our pitchers. Uh, uh, people uh, hitting uh, the ball, uh, Ike Irish and – who was uh, was Stanfield? I think he did really good. Yeah, Stanfield combined for a, a cycle. If you factor in the three games, he had uh, all four kinds of hits. I believe over the. I think Irish did the same thing as well. Yeah. yeah, and then Bobby Pierce was a I think a double away from doing it as well. Okay, and then I I should stay away from watching uh, I guess uh, basketball games uh, when the men's don't do well. But I decided let me see the uh, the uh, women's uh, basketball game, and by God, I turned it on. And we'll, they're winning by ten points, and then the fourth quarter. Yeah. What the crap? You know they end up losing the damn game, and I thought, hey, they're going to win the game. Yeah. And they got outscored badly. Not a, not a good weekend for the hoops on on either side. Badly. 
But uh, the women's softball team, they, they did good. They didn't have they all didn't play Clemson because they were rained out. Um, but uh, I think what they lost one game in the tournament. Uh, they went undefeated in that tournament because they played, they only played three games and they won all three. Yeah, they never got to play Clemson. Okay. Yep. All right, all right. Well, with all that said, guys, uh, I came across this article real quickly. I said, well, somebody actually hasn't given up on us, and um, it's by uh, it's a New York Post uh, columnist, Charlie Disur- Disturco. Yeah, D I S T R U C O. And it's entitled NCAA Tournament Odds Predictions. And guess who the teams are that he favors in March Madness? Who would those be? Uh, probably UConn. UConn. Nope. No? Nope. Houston. Well, then I don't, I don't agree already. So. Uh, yeah. No, I, Houston. North Carolina's one of them. Okay, I agree. Aha! <laughs> 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 uh-huh. And uh, who Auburn. Else? And North Carolina Auburn. North Carolina Auburn play for national title game. I'll have to be sedated for, for days. So <laughs> he says, uh, <laughs> NCAA, well now he's bet. He says NCAA's tournament best bets, he says, are North Carolina. And he goes into a long explanation of it. And then he says he loves Auburn. Uh, and this is after knowing that they had lost to Kentucky. Um, and the, this is a real brief comments where he says he says Auburn Jaden Wim goes for a dunk. He goes anyway, uh, Auburn's uh, uh twenty to one. To, to to win, he says it's one of my favorite teams. He says in in basketball this huh. season, and he says this is Bruce Pearl's most talented squad. He said they rank inside the top ten in both adjusted offensive and defensive efficiency. Uh, each player has a pivotal role, and they have a knack for rebounding. Uh, then he goes on. He said the Tigers, he says, are like the schoolyard bullies. They'll boot, beat you up when uh, wherever and whenever it comes. He says. Uh, Auburn has a perfect mixture of physicality. That wouldn't have, I don't know if that showed up uh, Saturday. Uh, that, that was a rock fight. He says, like UNC, this is a veteran-led team that has used the transfer portal to build a championship-level roster. Despite being upset at home on Saturday by Kentucky, I like the Tigers ending up as a top three seed and making it to the final four. Now, guys, that's what I'm saying. I, you know, they even talked about it on ESPN game day. They gave little no chance. Uh, to Kentucky, not because of the talent, but he says they're so young compared to our experienced team. That's what amazed me. We had more experience, and youth experience wins out, does it not? I mean, sometimes in March it does, yeah. Uh, again, playing in those type of big games uh, does usually mean a lot, and teams have in, in college basketball in a lot of different uh, corners of college basketball tried to get older and tried to get some key transfers. But, I mean, it's not one size fits all, and, and we've seen – uh, Kentucky win a title in the last ten or so years with a bunch of freshmen. We've seen Duke do it. Um, you know, in, in Kansas, it's had mixtures of guys, young and old. I mean, it it, it it depends by team. It depends by team. Okay, all right. Well, that's all I've got. Uh, thanks for the uh, the therapy time, guys. I just I, I was so uh, I mean I I was miserable, and I shouldn't. I probably I shouldn't do this myself because I thought I was going to enjoy the game, and I said this is this is like a throw up game. I felt like just throwing up. Like you said, Tom, this this is an embarrassment for Auburn fans. They were there to win and to win uh, convincingly, and none of that came about. And I, I feel badly for all the people who came from out of town and paid probably big big bucks uh, to, to to be at the game, and the guys just you know crapped the bed. Yeah, and, and yeah. disappointing all the way around. Yep, all the way around. All right, thanks for uh, letting me whine and complain. And with that, guys, I'm out of here. Thank you for your time, as always. My time is way, way up. Uh, you have a safe afternoon. And uh, 
We'll do this again tomorrow. I know it's a shortened version, so I'll do my best to keep it to, to less than 80 to 90 uh, curse words. Sounds good, Steve. All right, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, that is Retire Word AM Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We are going to head to our next timeout of the show. If you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Coming up in just a little bit, birthdays and sports, much more here on this Monday edition of Sports Call. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Coming up in just a little while, we will get uh, to the review of Auburn baseball's opening weekend against Eastern Kentucky after the Tigers swept the Colonels there, so we'll get into a little bit of that. A few other things, including best and worst of the weekend in the 5 o'clock hour. Uh, but before we go any further today's show, we want to get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. All right, today on February the 19th, Paul Krause turning 82 for NFL safety. He was selected in the second round of the 1964 NFL Draft out of Iowa. Go Hawkeyes! Krause went on to have one of the best careers of all time, an eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, he was named as one of the greatest Minnesota Vikings and one of the greatest Washington Redskins ever. He currently has the most interceptions for an NFL career with 81. Uh, out of Bendel High School in Burton, Michigan, go Tigers. Eh, kind of boring. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you like Tigers, though. Yeah, some of them. Fair, fair enough. Paul Krause is 82 today. Roger Goodell is 65 today, Ooh. current NFL commissioner. He has been the commissioner since 2006. Went to Washington. Go Huskies. And no. Jefferson College. What, Washington mm-hmm. and Jefferson College. Oh, gosh. Man. I had no idea. He has two children. Presidents. Good ah, presidents. That makes sense. Well, no. yes, it does. Yes, I, I gave him a little pause. And that you was did. You gave me an open door, and uh, I took it, and I, I ran to the wrong one. <laughs> he has two children, considered a great leader of the Shield. Great uh, leader, please. Yeah. Please, opinions. Yeah, Washington would, Jefferson College in Washington, Pennsylvania. Like I said, go presidents. Makes sense. Uh, also attended Bronxville High School in New York. Go Broncos. Bronxville Broncos. Yeah. There you go. Keeping the alliteration there. So Roger Goodell is 65. Dwight Freeney is 44, a former NFL defensive lineman. Freeney had a very successful pro career in college. He played at Syracuse. Go Orange. For being selected 11th overall in the 2002 NFL Draft. He was selected by the Colts and would play there for 10 years before bouncing around the league. 
You three-time first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, and seven-time Pro Bowler alongside a Super Bowl champion in his career with over 125 sacks, 47 forced fumbles. Earlier this month, he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He is also a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. And before Syracuse, he was at Bloomfield High School in Connecticut. Go Warhawks. Okay. Dwight Freeney, 44 today. Cody Parkey is 32, former NFL kicker. Parkey played college football at Auburn. Warrior. Warrior. Where Parkey was second team All-SEC and a BCS national champion before going undrafted in 2014 draft. He would eventually get picked up and start playing for the Eagles, where he was a pro bowler since his birthday. Uh, we will not mention the uh, travails of the end of his pro career with Chicago Bears. Yeah. Cody Parkey is 32 today. Yeah. From Jupiter, Florida. Jupiter High School, go Warriors. And last but not least, uh, least, Nikola Jokic is 29 today. Current Denver Nugget, nicknamed the Joker, already considered one of the best passing big men of all time. Jokic is from and played professionally in Serbia before uh, before being selected (laughs) 41st overall in the second round of the 2014 draft during a Taco Bell commercial, if you recall. They were like the (laughs) cheesy uh, burrito uh, crunch or something, like gordita crunch or something. And that's when big boy Nikola Jokic was drafted. Go on to be back-to-back MVP winner, six-time NBA All-Star, three-time NBA first-teamer, two-time All-NBA second-teamer, also led the Denver Nuggets to their first NBA title and was the finals MVP last year. Nikola Jokic was 29. I forgot he was drafted by during a Taco Bell commercial. Those are the birthdays in sports today. Again, Paul Krause, 82, Roger Goodell, 65, Dwight Freeney, 44, Cody Parkey, 32, and Nikola Jokic is 29. The Presidents is my favorite, I think. Yeah. I mean, objectively, not many schools are no. going to be named that. So, Also appropriate. Washington and Jefferson. Yep. The they, Presidents. Again, trying to stay unified there. On President's Day, too. How uh, about that? I, you know, I that. thought about that when I read it. I was like, you know, it's President's Day. It's kind of fitting that we have a Washington and Jefferson Presidents. On President's Stars Day. all aligned for a beautiful birthdays and sports segment. We're going to head to our next time out. Back with more sports call right after this. Time out. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Let's talk a little Auburn baseball as the Tigers got underway this weekend inside of Plainsman Park. Uh, had a three-game set with the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. And the Tigers came out swinging in game one in the very first inning of the season were able to score four runs and get things started the way they wanted to. Uh, on the weekend, the Tigers end up compiling wins 
of 17 to 6 in the opener, 6 to 1 on the Saturday game and 9 to 1 on the Sunday game. Brooks, I know that you were there on Sunday yep. taking it in at Plainsman Park. Uh, but certainly the kind of weekend Auburn wanted to have to, to start 2024. Absolutely. And, you know, we talked uh, – it was either Thursday or Friday we talked about this on the program, about what we would like to see Auburn uh, – what, what, we, what we would like to see more of Auburn do over the weekend, uh, opening op- opening things up. It was either, you know, come out strong hitting, come out strong pitching. Well, they did both. Um, Auburn came out strong on, on the hitting side. You had a couple guys we, – and we mentioned – uh, uh, earlier that uh, you know you had a couple guys that had went hit for the cycle all not during the same game but for the the series cycle had, had gotten everything. Um, you had a, uh, another guy with Bobby Pierce get close. You had a, you know you you messed with the lineup uh, between days uh, a little bit. The the, uh, the Friday and the Sunday lineup were basically the same. Um, the the Saturday lineup you tweaked a little bit to get some more things. Uh, but yeah, uh, the hitting was good all weekend. You had some great base running. Um, I, I think we talked about uh, Cooper Weiss, uh, or we I saw on Twitter Cooper Weiss stole uh, the single game record for stolen bases Sunday against Eastern Kentucky. Um, and this is what you needed to do if you were if, if you're Auburn baseball. You know, we talked about I, I mentioned it in the open. Bruce, uh, uh, Butch Thompson talked about how last year, during especially during some of these opening uh, the non-conference series to open the season, they had trouble closing things out in a series and getting a series win. Uh, they were able to get series wins, but they weren't able to get the sweeps. Well, this is what you needed to do if if you are uh, going to compete come uh, May June in that uh, in that tournament and want to want to put together a good resume to host. You've got to you know you've got to come out and insert your dominance against some of these teams that. You are, you know, you're you're better than, and so uh, it, it was. It was a good good hitting weekend, pitching wise as well. I think the only down, uh, the only there's not really a negative, but the only bad one, uh, only uh, disappoint was a little bit Chase Alsop on Friday night giving up the five hits and five runs. Although only three of those earn uh, runs were earned. Uh, he's got a little stuff to tweak, but he's an MLB uh, draft caliber guy. Uh, Joseph Gonzalez back on the mound on Saturday was great. Five innings, uh, only gave up two hits, one run, uh, struck out only struck out two, but he was able to get some get get outs on the ground and in the air. Uh, and then Carson Myers yesterday, the the transfer from UAB, getting his first start in an Auburn uniform. He grew up an Auburn fan. If you if you didn't know this backstory, grew up an Auburn fan. Uh, his dad was a, an assistant coach at Auburn for a little bit, uh, and he he went to UAB, transferred to Auburn. So this was his first start in an Auburn uniform, first appearance in an Auburn uniform, and this was the first time his dad got to see him play in college. His dad's been coaching ball. This is the first day uh, in two years at UAB. He was not his dad was never able to see him at UAB. This is the first time his dad's gotten to see him play, and he was fired up yesterday. Six innings, uh, two hits, eight strikeouts. Man. Uh, and, it, you know, a, a lot of the transfer guys did some work this weekend. You talk about guys like uh, Christian Hall, another UAB transfer, uh, put in some work, especially yesterday. Uh, Derek Fabian, uh, the transfer from Florida, did some good, good work on the on the bases or, or on, at the plate. Uh, and so it, it's a good mix. You know, we talked about how the middle of that order going into Friday was guys that have been here with uh, Ike Irish, Bobby Pierce, Cooper McMurray, and Tr- Chris Stanfield. And you got a few uh, different uh, transfer guys in the 
in the lineup this year. Well, everybody everybody produced. I think it was a really good start to the weekend, or a really good uh, really good start to the season. The big weekend uh, against EKU, uh, you, you get the sweep, and you know now you get to go in, you get to work, uh, go to work on a midweek game against UAB on Tuesday, and then you go down to Jacksonville, where the the competition is going to take a step up. It's not, it's still not elite competition. But Iowa is a team that can compete in NCAA tournaments. We've seen Virginia compete in NCAA tournaments uh, here in the past few years. Wichita State's another team that can play some serious baseball. And so you got three different uh, – in, and the thing is it's three different opponents in three different days. So you're getting different uh, different things each day, and it's not like you're setting up for a series. So it, this is going to be an important weekend coming up. But this past weekend, uh, I don't know if you could have started any better – uh, for Auburn, maybe if you would have run ruled every uh, all three games, that would have been better. But this was a really good start for the Tigers. Tom, what do you think about uh, three straight, uh, pretty decisive victories yeah. against Eastern Kentucky? It's the way you wanted to start out, start out your season, and uh, you know, obviously, uh, a lot to work on as they're trying to figure out exactly how they want the roster to look, um, exactly how they want the pitching and all to look. But uh, it was a great start. Um, and, you know, for the fans that went out there and watched it, you got to see some big hits. You got to see some home runs. You got to see some great pitching. Uh, watching the uh, the highlights and everything that I saw, I love the way the backdrop now looks when you're looking from the outfield with the new seating arrangement there with people a little bit closer to the field. So that was kind of cool. But uh, Yeah, that, that foul territory is non-existent there anymore. There was a couple pop-ups yesterday that within the past couple – you know, the, in the past – it was, you know, it would pop up right behind home plate. The catcher was going to grab it. Not anymore. There, it's very few little foul room back there behind home plate now. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, it was it was good to have a good weekend of baseball for the for as disappointing as basketball was to be able to at least have, you know, a silver lining on the sports weekend of, of baseball starting out starting up and uh, you know, being back at the ballpark, being uh being out there in the the sunshine and the fresh air and all the sights and sounds that come along with baseball. Uh, it was awesome. And uh, I, I think this team has a lot of promise to it. I mean, it, it's a team that uh, has some high expectations from the recruiting class, from the returning guys, and from uh, the transfer portal. Uh, a lot of hype on this team this year. And so you're hoping that they can uh, live up to the hype. And winning those first three very decisively is a good way to get it started. Yeah, and look, too, I, I want to say before I break down the team a little bit, I, I agree with you on how the, the look of it was. I watched some of it uh, on, on Plus throughout the weekend. And, uh, again, nice job of not really disrupting the all, the seats that were already there and just finding a way to add because Auburn did have a ton of space behind home plate. And also what one of the few places that elevated – the, the seating so that you don't you could barely see the first row of people in the TV shot because it was so high which is not normally the case or not the case in a lot of places and so they were able to not disrupt anything going on and they were able to level it off to where even the standing room people because I think it's only two rows that are new of actual seats in that Hall of Fame club but then they have the standing room area and I looked specifically for this the standing room area was able to see over the seats obviously but we're not so tall that the people in the old first row, the now the second closest section to the uh, to the plate, uh, could not see over them. So that they spaced it out uh, the proper way there. So good on the architecture there. Good on the ability to uh, get that figured out. 
Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I think that the biggest thing is with, um, with how the team played opening week uh, was that not only did they uh, hit the ball the way they wanted to uh, and not only did they do a good job on um, taking care of the smaller team, uh, they were able to um, get into a position offensively where uh, they were always batting ahead and they were always uh, low-stress outcomes for the team. Uh, when you look at how they jumped out in front of Eastern Kentucky in day one, uh, the ability for them to jump out on them uh, pretty early in game two, four nothing in the third inning, uh, and then in game three to be able to score in each of the first three innings, they were always able to play uh, ahead in these games and not kind of give any hope to a lesser opponent. Uh, now, obviously, in college baseball, you do have to keep in mind some some smaller schools in the football and basketball scope are excellent at baseball. Uh, Northeastern was a preseason top 25 team. Coastal Carolina has won a national championship. East Carolina is a team that's r- uh, regularly in the top 20. Rice can do that. Uh, so you do have to keep in mind some teams are not just a simple slap on, oh, you're in the FCS in football. You're not any good. Uh, but Eastern Kentucky is not normally one of those teams that, that uh, passes by a lot of those those optics. So uh, with that in mind, I think they did a really good job of not giving them life. And then also, look, I said individually on Friday, jo- I just can't wait to see Joseph Gonzalez because that's, again, the guy I'm looking forward to to try to be the ace of the staff. Yeah. Uh, and he did not allow an earned run on, on Saturday. Uh, the, the run that they did allow was unearned. Uh, so he did a, a quality job there. Uh, he was efficient pitch count wise, only 69 pitches uh, through five innings. So a, a nice pitch count there. And I think that they overall got out of him what they wanted to, which was health, uh, kind of throw the, the, the downward motion fastball and be able to get him out with a reasonably low stress. And again, when you're up four nothing, I guess it was four one after that run in the fifth. Uh, again, pretty low-stress situation for him. So uh, I thought they checked that box. I thought they checked the box of hitting, some newcomers being involved. Ike Irish is still really good. Uh, they were able to do a lot of different things there um, in, in the opening weekend. Now, obviously, again, they'll have plenty of steps up in play. I, I greatly value – do not undersell this upcoming weekend. There are two top 25 teams in this field. Uh, it's going to be like playing maybe not – one of the three or four best teams in the SEC, but uh, you're going to be playing teams that are going to have the opportunity to be regional hosts, uh, top 16, top 20 caliber teams uh, twice down there. So uh, I, I do think this next weekend is going to tell us a lot of things. It'll be an exciting opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I do want to say out of the out of the series, I mean, they were all three lopsided, but you know, a positive thing I guess that you can that you could take from this because the one game that did get kind of close there early was the first game. Uh, Auburn comes out and they get uh, they get a four spot. All right, well, all right. Chase Alsop goes uh, three up, three down in the first inning. Auburn comes out in the fourth or in the bottom of the first and score four runs. And you're like, all right, here we go. Second inning, they cut it to four three. Uh, Alsop gave up back to back homers. I, I think it was back to back homers. I know he gave up two home runs in the inning. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
you know, first game of the year, and it, all of a sudden you're like, oh, boy, here we go. And then Auburn proceeds to score three in the bottom to, to stretch it out, and then, of course, they, they keep on going, score another five in the six, end up with a mercy rule game. Um, like I said, if you want to take any of the – anything away from that it's like how you bounce back i hate to say bounce back from adversity like you know any of these games were really yeah four three in the second adversely yeah and yeah you're talking about the second inning of the first game of the year so there's not really adversity but but you know also struggled in that inning um but then the bats backed him up and got the runs and then he came back right back out and i think he went three up three down the very next inning so you know, while all the rest of them were lopsided, at least that one little part right there to start the season, you know, it was kind of like, Ugh, all right, come on, Chase, what are you doing? And then everything was fine. So let's grab one more phone call before the end of hour number two, 334 887 3401 locally or toll free one at 888 Tiger 9. Up next on the show, Matt from Tallahassee. Matt is with us. Matt, how are you today? I'm not very good. I'm not very happy because Kentucky didn't play very nice against us. Yeah, Kentucky played well. Auburn played very poorly. There was. Let me ask you guys a question. First, Tom, I'll start with you. Okay. Okay. How you doing, Tom? I'm good. So, if you throw an elbow out, is that a foul or a flop? Uh, I mean. Both of them are fouls. I mean, you can't throw an elbow at anybody, and if you get caught flopping, then they can call a foul on that as as well. Well, Kentucky, Kentucky threw a lot of elbows, and they didn't even get called for them. Yeah, there 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 were several there were several foul calls that they could have called that they didn't, and then some that they called fouls that probably weren't fouls, but. But but ultimately, Auburn played a very bad 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 basketball game, and the officials. Didn't have anything to do with that. Said Auburn shot four of twenty-two from three. The officials didn't make that happen. Well, uh, most of the, the only two three-pointers that Auburn got was from Darren Williams. They won't fall for KD. Yeah, no, Jalen didn't hit any threes. It was Denver Jones that hit three, and then Chad Baker Mazzara hit one. Okay, what what's the story? On I heard on one of the six point seven, they said that Darren Williams might come back. Have you guys heard anything about that, or is he out definitely? Yeah, no. Uh, Jay, so Jalen, uh, the, the projected timetable is about a couple of weeks, which would turn out to be a couple of games. Uh, he he should not be out for the season. Uh, has avoided surgery, but uh, still a little unclear on exactly when that will fall. But should not miss. Uh, in fact, I don't think he'll miss the rest of the regular season either. It's just pinpointing: is it two games, three games, something like that? They'll be out for the Georgia game, the Missouri game. Yeah, right? no, yeah. Well, they haven't said they haven't said yet. Yeah, well, they haven't said yet. But uh, Georgia and then Tennessee, Missouri's not till the second game of March. Okay, so he so he should be back for probably the Mississippi State game, probably or. Yeah, again, uh, they, they're not going to be exactly sure on that. But if he only misses two games, then yes, the home game against Mississippi State would be next. And so. We have to win the rest of our games to share to share the SEC title with Tennessee, right? Bama, Florida's got to be Bama twice. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I think Alabama with only two losses is going to be a part of that too. So Auburn now has four, Tennessee has three. Uh, so Auburn really uh, will will need some help, and they're going to have to win out to have any chance to share. 
Okay, but do you guys think Florida can beat Bama at Bama and then Florida can win at home against Bama? I, th- I think Florida could win at home against Alabama, but I do not expect them to go to Coleman and win. I think that I think that could be a split, um, but but I don't think Alabama will lose at home to Florida. Okay. All right. So like so, but but the question I was saying is that you don't think Florida can beat Bama on their on Florida's home court, right? I think Florida can beat uh, Alabama on Florida's home court, yes. I, I think that will be a, a, a very good basketball game, and Florida will absolutely have a chance to do that. But, uh, you know, Alabama needs to lose twice to get down to four losses, so uh, I don't expect both of those to be Florida. Okay. And what do you guys think about the uh, baseball baseball team, 3-0, and and, and such a herd? I heard that some of the players hit home runs, and I'm glad some of the players came back. Yeah, uh, no, it was a really successful weekend for the Tigers. They hit well. They did hit a few bombs there, and uh, they pitched very well, particularly on Saturday and Sunday. So it was all around a successful series for Auburn. So when's the next game for baseball? Tomorrow against UAB at Plainsman Park. Okay. All right. Well, hey, hey Tom. Yes. Uh, Talk to your girlfriend again. She had she has any more trivia questions, but they got the easy ones. That last one was a little bit tricky. I thought it was 1995 or 1999 when the Iron Bowl was played, but I it was kind of hard. That one was kind of a little tricky and stuff like that. So, but I, I I'll definitely see what I can do to scrounge up another question for you. As, has a war down Steve or James or Sean called today? Uh, Steve has, yes. Okay. Well, like I said, if uh, if you can tell James, I can't call him. I can't watch YouTube videos. Uh, but um, I might only do the hundred this year um, for swimming. I wanted to stick with the fifty, be freestyle, the backstroke, and the relay. I'm going to try to do the 100 next year. I'm just not in shape for it and set that. But if we have any more questions, where I'm going to have swimmies or state, I can give him the answer by next Monday. Uh, that sounds great. All right. And War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, Matt. War Eagle. War Eagle, Matt. That is Matt from Tallahassee. Matt for Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. And we are out of time here for hour number two of the show. But coming up, we'll have a sports call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. We'll also get to best and worst of the weekend. If you want to give us a call in hour number 3, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Sports call returns after this timeout. hours of sports call are finished don't touch that radio dial we've got one more hour to go 
Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger FM, and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Monday afternoon. We appreciate you, however you're listening on this Monday. A Daytona 500 Monday afternoon. We are. We're We're driving in circles, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Almost halfway home. Excuse me, it's called triovals. Wow. Wow. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, and so we're almost halfway through the Great American Race. Chase Elliott won sec- uh, segment one of the race, excuse me, uh, the first stage of the race. And so uh, they're on into uh, the middle laps, middle stage of it. And uh, hopefully no more wrecking. Although, again, we know that as we count down the laps, seven, eight, nine laps to go, expect half the field to end up in the infield. That's usually how it goes. But yeah. We'll be keeping an eye on it in the meantime. Uh, our guy, I'm glad you brought it back up. Tom, because our guy Brett Holmes of yeah. Auburn University finished fourth in the truck race uh, Friday night, and uh, he's again a single car team, owns his own team. Uh, Daytona usually one of, if not the biggest purse of the year, right. so you get a few a uh, few more big bucks for for finishing well in it. And uh, shout out to Brett Holmes of Auburn for yeah. finishing the top five there. This is a uh, you know NASCAR. Obviously, you know you have the uh, the championship at the end, but. Uh, NASCAR is one of those weird ones where, like, the the big one is the first race of the year. Yeah. Like the Daytona 500. Granted, they do go back to Daytona in July, but this is the Daytona right, 500. The great American race. This is the one yep. that everybody wants to have on their resume as a victory is the first race of the year. Yeah. It is uh, it is an interesting dynamic for sure. And, um as you said, it really team sports are just not wired that way to have the biggest event be the first event because typically you're trying to build a team up towards something, but you do see it a little bit more in racing. Heck, you see it in horse racing where the Kentucky Derby is the biggest one, and right. the other two will matter more if the Kentucky Der- uh, Derby winner can keep winning it. But uh, you know, so yeah, it, it is. Uh, it's always been fascinating, but uh, it's also, as you said, nevertheless been less special. It is. It's it's one of those that you put on the Hall of Fame resume. I'm a blank time champion, blank time Daytona 500 winner, blah, blah, blah. So yep. um, obviously a huge deal for sure. As we continue on here in the third and final hour of the show, we do want to get to the Sports Call 5 at 5, which is presented by Southeastern Land Group. John Harden and Brian Watts are your, are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 
524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334-707-4273 or find them online at selandgroup.com. Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, we're going to update the newest AP Top 25 poll in college basketball in terms of SEC teams. There are six ranked teams now, so we're going to cheat just a little bit. But uh, let's do the Sports Call 5 at 5 with the updated Top 25 men's college basketball rankings. Number one. Highest rated SEC team is the Tennessee Volunteers, ranked fifth in the country. Vols have been somewhere in the top ten most of the season. Of course, Dalton Connect continues to lead the way for SEC Player of the Year voting, but they are second in the conference right now with a 9-3 and three mark. And, of course, that Auburn-Tennessee game at Thompson Bowling Arena next Wednesday uh, is going to be a huge one and must win for Auburn if they want to stay in the SEC title race. Number two. The leaders of the SEC right now are Alabama. They are ranked 13th in the AP poll now after throttling Texas A&M at Coleman Coliseum last weekend. Alabama 18-7 and overall, but 10-2 and in the SEC. We'll talk a little bit more about their upcoming schedule in just a moment. Number three. Is the Auburn Tigers. They do fall one spot this week to number 14, so Alabama does jump them there. Of course, Tigers now 20-6 and overall. Uh, could not have a more drastic swing of emotion last week. They absolutely destroyed number 11 South Carolina, or at least number 11 at the time, by 40 points. And then, of course, could not throw it in the ocean on Saturday against Big Blue Kentucky. And so the Tigers dropped one spot in the AP Top 25 to number 14. Number four. Is the Kentucky Wildcats. They move up a few spots after a 2-0 week, first beating Ole Miss, then beating Auburn. Uh, Kentucky, a team at 18-7 and seven, seven overall that jumped down to uh, a four-loss mark pretty quickly in SEC play, but it's now trying to get it going uh, a little bit again. So Kentucky now uh, in the big hodgepodge of teams. Again, we'll go over the SEC standings in just a minute. So let's get to number five on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number five is South Carolina. Honestly, South Carolina had uh, a weekend from hell. <laughs> uh, yeah. They not only got embarrassed by Auburn by 40, they then lost at home to one of the three or four worst teams in the SEC in LSU. Uh, so, hey, you can lose at home, by the way. And so South Carolina uh, did that against LSU. They dropped nine spots to number 20 and the AP Top 25. But we'll go ahead and give you the bonus one, number six there. A bonus one is Florida now ranked in the Top 25. The Gators under Todd Golden. I feel like I've said 18-7 and seven a lot. They are also 18-7 and seven and also 8-4 and four in the SEC. Florida uh, has been perfect since their bye week there as they've defeated Auburn, LSU, and went to Georgia uh, and defeated their former head coach, Mike White, there. So that's the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, taking a look at the AP Top 25 teams in the SEC, which there are now more than five of. There are now six of. So, guys, uh, before we go to break, we do want to break this down and, and remind everyone of the standings now. It's getting pretty bleak for Auburn to uh, win the SEC regular season title. Uh, they are still in a tied for uh, tied for third position in the SEC, but it goes like this: Alabama is ten and two, Tennessee is nine and three, Auburn and South Carolina are nine and four. They are yet to, but about to take their bye. Florida and Kentucky are eight and four. So really, what this did, guys, not only did it really 
uh, adversely affect Auburn's shot at, at at least sharing an SEC title. Uh, it also has put them in this danger zone of teams where Auburn could still spit out as high as two if they're able to pull off something surprising in Thompson Bowling. And, or, heck, I mean, if they went out and Alabama loses two, they share the title. But uh, with a couple more losses, say they do lose both these road games to Georgia and Tennessee, they could end up not getting the double by, not being a top four seed anymore. There's yeah. six teams really – uh, uh, vying all in this space where they could be any number from one through six. Yeah, um, you're you're getting into crunch time now, uh, where where these uh, losses have a, a massive effect on your seating uh, in that SEC tournament, and uh, you know wins are obviously are very important. But uh, you know, just you have to see how it plays out. But yeah, I mean Auburn. Uh, that that loss to Kentucky has really put Auburn in a bind to where they they pretty much have to win out, and they're going to need some people to start losing some games ahead of them. And uh, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately, Alabama's playing at a very good brand of basketball right now. As much as Auburn fans don't want to like it, uh, like to hear it, and uh, or want to hear it, as much as we just want to see Alabama fail at something, they're playing good basketball right now and they're in the driver's seat so uh yeah auburn definitely did not do themselves any favors this weekend but it's all still there in front of them and then ultimately you know yeah you want to set yourself up better for the sec tournament but i mean once march rolls around and you get into the ncaa tournament that's where crunch time happens but you uh you don't want to end your regular season and get into the tournament uh struggling and and this is one of those this Kentucky game is one of those that Auburn's going to need to bounce back from quickly fortunately they do have a week uh the bye week so they have the Wednesday off but uh got to bounce back but yeah uh Alabama's playing great basketball Tennessee's playing great basketball uh you know Kentucky like I mentioned I they're a team that their roster is built to be a national title contender if they can just figure out how to consistently play defense like they did against Auburn then they could be a very dangerous team to watch so uh tough road ahead for Auburn uh definitely did not do themselves any favors but we'll see how it goes yeah you know you're you're sitting there and you know you're you're looking for that double buy obviously you've got uh you you've got a uh, a a Florida team and a Kentucky team right there on your heels with right or right there with you. Then, you know, you've, you've got teams like Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Texas A&M who are two games back of you uh, with, you know, six losses in conference play. Um, uh, you know, you, you're looking at it, Texas A&M, you got Arkansas on, on tomorrow night. Uh, Ole Miss is a team that can go out and rattle off a few wins and, and take advantage of it. Mississippi State's, uh, I don't think they've got a, a very difficult schedule going, going down the stretch. Um, it's just you know you're you're trying to to look at things now, and you've got to think about uh, you know one you've got to think about winning you know you, you've got to think about you know continuing to win and hopefully you you have somebody or somebody else you know like a like an Alabama or Tennessee drop some games or you beat Tennessee on the road, um, but you know you look at it those teams that you're battling uh, for to you know you're battling against here you got Georgia Tennessee or you got Georgia twice. You got Tennessee and you got Mississippi State. Those are teams that you're battling for uh, seeding. Missouri's a, a, a non-factor for seeding purposes. Uh, they're they're not a good basketball program. Um, but 
it, it's still important that you get that win, especially on the road. But still, you, you've got head-to-head against teams that you're battling for seeding here. Georgia's a, a little further out. They've got eight losses in the SEC, but still, big game uh, at Georgia this weekend to bounce things back. So you've got to, you know, you've got to go out and you've got to, to produce. Uh, if, if you're Auburn, you know, you, you want that double buy. You want to be able to, you, to, to sit, let everybody beat themselves up a little bit and then get to you. Um, it, it's, it, it's, it's important. This is, this is really important because you, you've got to take care of business that you can control. It doesn't matter, you know, it does matter what other teams do, but as long as you control your own, uh, what happens in your games, you, you know, everything else kind of hopefully figures itself out. Well, so, I mean, look, I, I look at the remainder of Auburn's schedule, and, again, March is going to be uh, a much more palatable month for the Tigers. Uh, it just is. Uh, I really personally think that, um, I mean, they pretty much are done with teams uh, that they're playing around in the standings with. Really only the only one is Tennessee, uh, and the rest of the group, uh, is all in that bottom half of the of the league. And so I think that when you're looking at what the Tigers need towards the top, obviously they got to win out. That I've said all along 14-4 is going to be the absolute worst for the SEC champs this year. It might end up being 15-3, and but 14-4 uh, is still attainable, but you've got to win these next two on the road. I think they will go 3-0 in March personally, uh, but trying to get past Georgia, who – uh, has clearly faltered in the yeah, uh, yeah. last five, six, seven games or so, but it's a road game. And when if you don't have Jalen Williams, there's just going to be some variables there. They're going to make things uncomfortable, even though Auburn is better than Georgia. Auburn will prove that. Auburn will probably beat them easily in Neville Arena, but uh, going to Georgia will be will be different. And then obviously the Tennessee game, that is going to be hard no matter what, no matter if Jalen Williams is there. 80% if he's not there at all, uh, that game is going to be really tough. The good news for Auburn is your path is still kind of simple if you are able to beat Tennessee and Georgia. Again, you're March, you're hosting Mississippi State and Georgia. I'm sorry, they should not be losing those two games. Uh, and then going to Missouri is, again, the easiest road game you can have in this league. Uh, Missouri is, is downright awful. So when you look at those things – what you need to do if you beat Tennessee, that's their fourth loss. You really want Tennessee to go ahead and beat Alabama again, even though it isn't Coleman. And then you're looking for one more Alabama loss. You're looking for them to either lose at Kentucky or lose at Florida. Uh, the, the good news, because Alabama does have to lose twice here, the good news is the rest of the year. Now, Arkansas at the end's easy, but they've got four out of their next five games are against ranked opponents. And then the other one that's not is at Ole Miss, who's going to be desperate for an NCAA tournament-defining uh, win. So they've got a tougher stretch. The problem is Alabama's scoring about 100 points I, a game. I was about to say, their right? offense is and, just stupid. And so when you look at them, and by the way, it's not, oh, if they don't make threes. They scored 99 against Mississippi State, shooting 31% from three earlier this month. Uh, they, they are a complete offensive team. Now the three is what they probably do the best. But they, you don't score 100 points by simply hitting some threes and, and moving on. Uh, and so that's going to be tough for them to lose twice. I mean, it, it just will be. Again, I certainly don't think they'll be losing three times. So, again, you're going back into you hope that Kentucky does beat them at Rupp Arena. And you do hope that Tennessee ends up sweeping them. Uh, and then and maybe you're hopeful of, of the at Florida game or something like that. But um, – 
again, there's no guarantee. So Auburn's not in control of, of the top of the SEC anymore. They're just not, and, and they're going to need help there, and obviously they're going to need to go win at Tennessee. Let me ask you guys this question, and this is a question that we can obviously revisit closer to time when the tournament seedings come out. How big of a deal is it to you to get the double buy and be a top four seed for the SEC tournament? Um, I, I, are we doing big deal, little deal, no big deal? Sure, an abbreviated version of it. Yeah. Um, I say big deal, but okay. Gosh, I don't know because you know. Uh, uh, oh, I'm sorry. No, you know, go ahead. I'm I'm trying to form a thought. We, we do big deal, little deal. Or what no is big it? Deal. Yeah, big nope. deal, little deal, or no big deal. We need to I play s- this again. Soon, l- little deal. Okay. I, I, I mean, it's important because you don't you want to be able to rest and and let some other teams get knocked out before you have to play. But again, you know, when you have set yourself up to where you're already an NCAA tournament team, obviously it's going to help your seating in the NCAA tournament. I get all that, but the ultimate goal is to get to the NCAA tournament, and then then you take off and you go from there. So. You know, as long as you're not in a situation where you're looking at the SEC tournament might knock you out of the NCAA tournament, then it's like, you know, you're there. Yeah, you would like to rest, but you know you you're gonna you're gonna play, uh, you know, and it's not gonna knock you out of the NCAA tournament. So that's why I say it's like little deal. So uh yeah, kind I, of important, but not the end of the world. I would also go little deal. I I think that it would be great to sit there and watch the other teams, like I said, beat each other up, and then be able to play somebody uh, once you know once somebody's already played two games or such, something like that. Um, the the problem there is you know what if you know you you get there and you run into a, a very hot team what if somebody gets on a run there and, and they come in and you're not used to playing and they've played a couple days and now you're uh you're behind the eight ball there and and so they they could beat you there now the other the other side of it um is what i i think i said this last week uh auburn feels like a team that if they just get that one win in a tournament setting and they get that first win they could start a roll. They could they could figure it. You know they could they could get going. They could get it rolling. Uh, it, it it just takes that one win. And I think you know if you sit there and you wait and you don't get that one win in the after the double buy, then that's you know you're you know what what have you you know you're you're still in the NCAA tournament field, but trying to win a an an SEC tournament that's going to hurt you a lot. Now I think that if Auburn can go out there, if they just get like you know if they get they get the first round by. Um, and they, you know, they play the, they play and they get that win in the, after the first day and you go to play a double by team. I think that would help them a lot to go ahead and get that game under their belt, get the, get the layout of the land, get the, you know, get the sight lines going. And then that could help them to, to, to go forward and, and win. I, I think if your ultimate goal and you don't care about the SEC tournament, uh, overall outcome, is to get to the NCAA tournament. I think more rest is good. I think more rest is good, especially even though you're gonna have to play a game. It it still it, it more rest is good, so that you're not having to play as many games going into March. But if you are trying to win that SEC tournament uh, title, I, I think that you would want to. I, I think for me, I would want to play more games. I would want to play and, and get into the flow of it. You know, and, and look, Brooks, I kind of agree with you. I think that um, we make a lot out of it. And we make out, uh, you know, make a lot out of being able to uh, get that extra game where you don't have to put yourself in some peril, and like that's fine. That's certainly a line of thinking, but 
sometimes I want the bonus win and I want the game to try to get yourself going. Um, and because look, I'm going to say it's like baseball this past year. Where the team that well, sat yeah. was behind <laughs> the eight ball. Well, because I mean, look, if you are the five or the six seed, which that's what you're looking at here, because there's, uh, there's a clear top six breakaway right now. If you're the five or the six, you're playing a pretty bad team uh, in the, in that, uh, in that second round of the tournament because you've got the 8-9 is going to be what it is and then you're going to have a 7-10 that's locked in so the 5 is waiting on the 11-14 winner and the 6 is waiting on like the 12-13 winner so you're playing one of the bottom 4 or so teams in the conference now that could be Georgia and Georgia had a little bit to them early on and let's see how Auburn plays Georgia twice here in the last three weeks of the season um, but but you're looking at someone like Georgia or Arkansas or Vandy playing them, uh, and I'm not saying that uh, all those are just absolutely helpless, but I'm going to break the news that if you're losing to them anyway, you aren't going to win that next game. <laughs> you aren't going to beat someone like Florida or Kentucky just because you got to wait one more game and they didn't. So I, I'm kind of with you. I'd rather them have the opportunity to get another win get a little more rhythm established. I just don't think college kids get tired after simply one game and, and playing back-to-back days. That's a little absurd. And also, if you want to say, well, maybe I am worried about it, well, you, maybe you shouldn't with a Bruce Pearl team that plays 10 players. I mean, that's the whole point of, of playing 10 players is that you can, you're afforded some things rest-wise, you're afforded some things energy-wise that make things a little bit easier for you in the in the late Arch, uh, late stages of games and seasons. So, uh, you know, I, I actually do think it's not a big deal at all, but I have to pose a question because some will. Some will say, hey, I don't want to put yourself on the line a, a day earlier than you need to. And and also, if you want to go with the logical route of, hey, if I'm the number three or four seed in the SEC, that means I had a better regular season. That means I probably got another big win, and that means I'm probably in better shape for the NCAA tournament seeding. So that would be a fair fair counter too, but I think if your goal is to win the SEC tournament, I'd rather go ahead and play one of the weaker three to four teams in the league, get that opportunity to, quote, warm up, uh, and then you go into your tougher games that were going to be tough, whether you rested a day or not. Uh, good thoughts there. We uh, certainly will see how it shakes out seating-wise, uh, but uh, with still six, seven games to go, well, mainly five or six games to go, depending on who you are, uh, still a lot to be determined, one through six, especially in the SEC. We're going to take our next time out of the show. When we come back, we'll get into best and worst of the weekend. You're listening to the Monday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Monday edition of the program. Of course, we've been reviewing a lot of Auburn athletics this past weekend. Of course, Auburn basketball, but also Auburn baseball after the good opening series sweep of Eastern Kentucky. And again, it's just going to be an ongoing theme. Every time we do a baseball segment this year, whenever we do, it's just, I'm going to have to remind people, hey, there's nine SEC teams ranked. Hey, six of them are in the top ten. You know, you get one break this week by playing a bubble team. Awesome. <laughs> That's about as easy as it gets. Uh, uh, Congrats. You have Missouri on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, it's pretty crazy stuff, but uh, good opening series for Auburn. We'll see how they can continue to play. Again, with their first real test of the season coming up this weekend, also a midweek game against UAB. As we do each and every Monday, though, as we start to wind down and get in the latter moments of the show, we want to get to best and worst. Now, time for the best and worst. No! 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 Of the weekend. All right, who, who wants to start negative or positive today? I'll go negative. All right, negative. Here we go. I, I That just insinuates you had to answer that way, but... No. I want to be negative. No, I fair though. Well, fire away. Yeah, I mean, I, obviously the the basketball results was a negative, but my worst are. Uh, I understand why they did it, and I applaud them for doing it. But the students that sat out there from Wednesday till Saturday, and then those poor saps had to go in there and watch that performance. You camped out all week, and you had all the hype. And then you went and watched that. You poor souls. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm telling you, and that's why I was saying early in the show, that's one of the more embarrassing losses as an Auburn fan just because there was just so much hype put around that and so much hype put around the fact that those students had been camping out there since Wednesday there are aerial like drone shots of the the tents all the way around the corner, and Jay Billis and the players were walking around and bringing all the food, and I mean, still just so much hype and so much excitement around it, and then you just watch your team get blistered. It's like, ugh, God, can't have nice things at Auburn. <laughs> that's that's Jabba right there for you. That's oh ju- that's just Auburn being Auburn. I applaud them for being out there, man. That, that's yeah, and look, I think it's awesome. But like I said, it's a worse because because those poor saps sat out there since Wednesday in the elements and doing all that stuff to go and then watch their team just get their doors blown off. I'm like, yeah, great. But I will say this though, I like yeah, the the performance is a worst hundred percent. It built character, right? But <laughs> I will say this. You cherish those moments as a, as a college student. And, yes, it will be, unfortunately, the butt of a joke rather than, like, the most awesome right. memory of all time. But no, we did. Which is yeah. why that – Can you believe we that, were out there 72 yeah. hours to watch us get pantsed? Like, yeah. that's what's going to be the memory, but it's still going to be a memory you cherish. And, and, and that's why, you know, yeah, the, the game itself was the worst. But yeah, it's a cherished memory, but, like I said, you know, the embarrassing factor of it because, you know – well, you especially know the Kentucky folks are laughing about it. Alabama folks are laughing about it. Everybody that Auburn has just dogged is just sitting there and just snickering and laughing. He's like, you stupid kids. Y'all thought y'all had something going. And, yeah, you you got the carpet ripped right out from under you. So, anyway, that's my worst. Yeah, yeah, sure, it was the basketball game. But just the 
the fact that those kids put all their heart and soul into supporting the team and then just to have a huge nothing burger come from it. I don't even know that there's even much to cheer about in that game. Like I said, it seemed like the loudest roar was after the national anthem because after that, Kentucky was off and running. Yeah, a couple 5-0 runs, like yeah. to cut it to five and stuff was what we Got a little bit of hype, yeah. but nothing of yeah. any significance. Oh, worse, worse of the weekend. Um, well, I want to go one direction, but I think you're going to go in that direction. Yeah, they Ryan. broke so, up, though. <laughs> they did. Uh, I want to go in, the, in, in one general direction, but I think you're going to go in that general direction, so I'm going to avoid that, that yeah, subject. Yeah, you can. I no, still can rant no, with the best of them. Because I've got another one. Okay. Uh, the state of Florida weather is my worst of the weekend. Fair. And it's not just because of the racing action that was in Daytona that, that it got rained out. This was supposed to be, you know, I know softball got underway last weekend with opening weekend, but this was the big, you know, the, the big Clearwater Invitational. This is the big, hey, the season's here. We're going to put all these different games on ESPN. And, you know, there, there's going to be all sorts of big-time college softball going on. And that, on the other side of the state uh, from Daytona, got rained out all weekend long. Saturday, Friday, they rain out. Saturday, all the games were canceled. Sunday, they they canceled all the early games. And well, let's see about the evening. They're like, actually, we're not going to play in the evening either. So, just the rain across the state of Florida that hindered not only the biggest racing weekend of the year in in NASCAR, but the the college the the unofficial you know national spotlight kickoff of college softball season got ruined this weekend down down in Tampa Clearwater area because of the rain so the the rain in Florida not not the best this weekend you mean it's not always the sunshine state it's not <laughs> it is not um yeah that look that was uh, a candidate in my mind to be worse the weekend so I'm glad that we're kind of teaming up here because i I hate when races get moved. There was a stat that from 1971 to like 2010, the 500 never had to be raced on a Monday, and four times since like 2010, it's been had to race on a Monday. So we're not trending in a good direction there. Uh, but my worst of the weekend is basketball related, and it is on Saturday and Sunday in Indiana for All Star Weekend. I love the NBA. I know I'm in a minority about that. That's fine. Totally understand why. Flaws in the sport. Get it. But I love the NBA. I love basketball. I have since I was little. For one of my first favorite athletes was Kobe Bryant. Love, love the sport. Um, they've got to fix some things about All-Star Weekend. And starting with the whatever-the-hell example of a basketball game that was last <laughs> night, that was not uh, a basketball I, game. I gave more effort playing pickup basketball last Tuesday, being completely out of shape, not being able to run down to the other end sometimes than those guys did last night. And I get they don't want to get hurt and this, that, or the other thing. Play with like an ounce of pride. Th these players, I'm going to go Charles Barkley on them. These players have whined and whined and whined. Oh, why do you have a game limit for awards and why can't I rest back end of a back-to-back -back, and uh, why why can't I do load management all that I what how in 10 or 15 years did we go from guys cherishing the opportunity to try to play eight all 82 games to can I please sit more than 17 games so I can win awards that's not fair I I, I I'm a little banged up today and I can't play I I'm sorry it's an awful look for the sport and it pretends to 
to the All-Star game like last night. 200 points is not good, guys. No. I don't I don't care who can shoot what if Steph Curry was cloned and shot 100 threes. <laughs> it is not a good thing to watch that much disinterest when you are supposed to be showcasing all the beautiful talent that you have in your league and you got guys throwing football passes uninterrupted up and down courts to wide open layups and threes with no contest. So I'm sorry. I get that it's not necessarily been a game where great effort prevails. It's not it's not been like that. But there is a happy medium that we are still so far away from. And it also goes back to the slam dunk contest on Saturday night. Someone again bury your pride and I'm too cool for school for a second and can and absolutely try to put on a show. Cut like again you used to have some of the sport's biggest stars do this, even if they were younger in their career. And now it's become a popular thing. Just avoid it like the plague. No, we want G- we, we're going to have to get G League guys that can jump. And Matt McClung's awesome. Like, he jumped right. through the roof. He jumps twice as high as I've ever dreamed of. But he's a G League guy. He had the Ocala, Osceola, whatever magic on his, mm-hmm. on his jersey because he's not even in the damn NBA. And that's who's winning your dunk contest. When you got Zion Williamson eating five things of bread pudding down in New Orleans saying, I'm too big to do this, I don't want to risk it, blah, blah, blah. It's just getting kind of tiring that these guys can't do anything fun. Right. They got to cool it all the time. Um, and so really it's it's pretty maddening that there's the, – the idea of this weekend is really good. Skills competition, a three-point shootout, who can shoot it the best, who can dunk the, the hardest and the highest and have an all-star game in an individualized sport where there's 40 awesome players and only 20 or 25 of them get to be there. The concepts are great, and the players give you nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. So there's my worst of the weekend. Get off my lawn. Yeah. Tom, you're best. Well, oh, I, I mean, I second it. I, the, uh, yeah, I mean, 200 points is crazy. I tell you, slam dunk competition thing lost me a few years ago. A, it's a controversial thing, but when, when the female won the slam dunk competition, uh, however many years ago that was. Oh, I don't even remember that. Honestly. I, I mean, it, it was, you know, the most basic dunks that a, a sixth grader that can somewhat jump can do. But, you know, I, I just I kind of lost respect for the dunk contest after that. But anyway, off off my soapbox from that. My best of the weekend is uh, Parker, Parker Bird. Uh, Parker Bird is a baseball player for East Carolina University. And this weekend he became the first player in NCAA Division One to play with a prosthetic leg. Oh wow. Um he can't so uh Parker is a sophomore. Uh before his freshman year he was involved in a boating accident that was in twenty twenty two. Uh nearly lost his life but he survived it. However he had a massive leg injury and had to amputate his leg. Uh he's had a prosthetic since then but he uh still keeps trying to play. And Friday in their season opener, uh, he got an at-bat in the eighth inning. He took a first-pitch strike, and then he took four straight balls, and so he actually drew a walk and got to go to first base with his prosthetic leg and his pinch run for. So uh, just very neat. And seeing the the pictures of him, uh, the videos of him coming to the plate, uh, the crowd, like, roaring for him and everything because he's been through so much. And uh, like I said, yeah, 
First player ever with a prosthetic leg in NCAA baseball history. Pretty cool. That is very cool. Uh, my best of the weekend. I don't think it's any uh, any mystery here after uh, we we mentioned it last Friday. But baseball opening weekend, um, Auburn did did great things on the on the diamond. But uh, just college baseball being back in general is is awesome. I'm I'm so happy that baseball season's back. You got spring training is starting to get underway this coming weekend uh, with some with with games starting. And so uh, just just baseball being back is my favorite. It's it's awesome. Yeah, and. I can't wait. We're just days and weeks away from previewing the Major League Baseball season, too. Of course, Atlanta Braves will have spring training action on 1230 WAUD this weekend. Let me say that again. The Atlanta Braves, we're home the Atlanta Braves on AM 1230 WAUD, will have spring training baseball live broadcast, live action this weekend. So we're looking forward to that, and uh, we'll have to get to baseball previews pretty soon. Saturday and Sunday, both at noon there you uh, go. Is, is both those games. So we're looking forward to that and uh, glad that college baseball came back this weekend. My best of the weekend will uh, be college sports related too. Of course, you know my affinity for UAB. That is obviously where I grew up going to games in Birmingham and wanted to give a shout-out to Andy Kennedy, who was able to get his 95th win in four years at UAB. That's the most wins over any four-year period in UAB history, passing Mike Davis, who, of course, was head coach of Indiana when they went to the Final Four in the early 2000s, did a pretty good job at UAB, and the legendary Gene Bartow, who in his first four years at UAB went 94 and 42. So Andy Kennedy up to 95 and 33 in almost four full years at UAB. Uh, Blazers, again, winning yesterday in Bartow, and uh, really uh, love the job that he's done to reestablish the standard of UAB and uh, really hoping that he will not move on to another school like a West Virginia or something that will have openings this year because, A, he really deserved it. Uh, he, he should get a bigger job, but, B, uh, UAB is his alma mater, and UAB now in the American Conference in a conference that has a legitimate chance at multi-bids uh, and multi-bids each and every year. Uh, UAB is now in a better conference than they were in. So uh, really big shout-out to, uh, to the success of UAB under Andy Kennedy and uh, that has turned out to be absolutely a, a dream hire for the Blazers as they look to get back to what they were early in mid-2000s and, and really most of their program history up until the, the last few years prior. All right, that's best and worst of the weekend. Good stuff right there. Let's go ahead and take our final timeout of the show. When we come back, we'll get to the nightly TV guide and wrap things up on this Monday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. have your attention please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 want more sports call check us out online at sportscallauburn.com
Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress. Again, reminder, if you ever miss Sports Call Live or if you want to hear something again, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola, available wherever you may get your podcast. Just a few minutes left in the show, Nightly TV Guide, coming up in just a second. Also want to remind you, though, tomorrow will be a shortened edition of the show as Borgard High School Baseball and softball gets underway. We start with baseball tomorrow uh, out at Beauregard High School. Tim Sin, Tom Peavy, yes. and we'll see who else stops by. We'll be on the call of that uh, first baseball game broadcast of the year tomorrow. That one will be at 4.30, which means we need to get off air by 4.15 at the latest uh, tomorrow afternoon. And again, we will also have a shortened show on Thursday. I don't believe it's as short, though. We'll let you know. On Wednesday, though, because we'll have our first Borgard softball broadcast of the year on Thursday. So, uh, again, that will happen from time to time between now and, say, the end of April or so, where we will have some baseball and softball that cuts some shows short. And we'll always keep you up to date on that. Uh, we've also been watching the Daytona 500. Uh, pretty lucrative, uh, pretty big name first two stage winners. Chase Elliott won stage one, and then the reigning NASCAR Cup Series champion Ryan Blaney one stage two and so they are down to 61 laps to go in the great american race in daytona beach florida with not a cloud in the sky so brooks's worst of the weekend <laughs> will stay confined to the yep. weekend and not make its way into this week as they are racing at daytona they're running three wide it's only a matter of time uh, before we see a yellow flag indicating half the field uh is in the infield so we will uh Continue to watch that. I'll be watching every lap once the show gets off air with bated breath and a lot of nervousness. Uh, so uh, wow. certainly enjoying the begin of the NASCAR season. They'll be in Atlanta not too far from here, just an hour and a half up the road uh, in Hampton, Georgia, uh, this coming weekend in Atlanta. And uh, I may or may not know of someone that might be going to the Saturday races there. Oh. But we'll, we'll, we'll shelve that for a later show and uh, confirm or deny that. But final couple minutes of the show today so it's time for a nightly tv guide our show is about to end but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening here's sports calls nightly tv guide sports calls nightly tv guide is presented by white claw heart seltzer brooks childress what do we have well a couple movie picks for you this evening on this president's day monday uh nothing presidential about the the movie picks tonight though sorry uh you don't have independence day no you don't uh, have white house down uh no i've got abraham lincoln vampire hunter at 650 <laughs> on fxm would you like that no movies about washington and jefferson <laughs> university no <laughs> Uh, the oh, be man. best I could give you is Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter 650 on FXM. <laughs> That's your presidential day pick of the evening. How about that? Uh, 626 on Stars Encore, the family movie pick of the evening. Ice Age, The Meltdown, uh, if you want to check out what the, uh, the, the cast of Ice Age getting into back in you know, millions of years ago. Uh, also, 7 o'clock on FX, Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy is on tonight. Classic I'm Ron comedy. Burgundy? Great movie. Great classic comedy there with Will Ferrell. Uh, then, sports picks for you this evening. We'll start off in the college basketball world. A couple picks for you on the men's side of things. Virginia, Virginia Tech, 6 o'clock ESPN. Uh, also, 6 o'clock on ESPNU. Iowa State, Houston, a big one in the Big uh, Big 12 tonight. And then later on tonight. Yeah, that is a big one. Top 10 matchup. I'm sorry. A little delayed response. Right, They're almost 
tried that, very hard to wreck already. Yeah, that, <laughs> I, it, it's it's like white They're knuckle. Swirly. Oh, yeah. it's white knuckle stuff right now. Later on tonight on ESPN, though, you've got some more Big Twelve college basketball action. As Kansas State visits Texas, and then on ESPN two, North Carolina Central visits Norfolk State, uh, and then some women's college basketball action for you tonight. Six o'clock on ESPN two. Uh, Notre Dame visits Duke for some ACC action there. Of course, the NASCAR season, uh, the Xfinity season, gets underway tonight. After the Daytona 500, uh, the Xfinity race will come on approximately 8 o'clock, maybe a little before, maybe a little after, depending on when this race gets off. If you're racing the 500 and you're pulling double duty, because some of those guys are like A.J. Allmendinger's running for college racing twice. He's running the full year with Xfinity and, and running partial with the Cup. Does it feel like a letdown to race in the 500? And then finish, I don't know, they don't have to wreck, just a ho-hum 13th, and then be like, okay, back in action with half as many eyeballs. I, You know, it's, I'm going to watch, no matter, I'll be there no matter what. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, that you go from the biggest thing in the sport yeah. to, hey, this is the AAA of NASCAR. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I have to ask somebody one day. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to get, uh, get somebody on. Yeah. That's the night the TV guy brought to our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks Childress. And thank you, Brooks, for being on the show today. You will be with me for the shortened edition of the show tomorrow, so we will see you then. See you then. And, Tom Peavy, thank you for being here today. I will not see you tomorrow. I will hear you yeah. on right here on Tiger 95.9 with Beauregard High School Baseball. But until then, we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah. And I want to clarify something I said earlier. It was not in the NBA slam dunk competition. Uh, it was McDonald's All-American slam dunk competition. Okay. That, gotcha. that, a female one, but it's kind of like turned sure. me off of the whole dunk contest. Sure. I was about to say, I just don't recall, but yeah, I, I knew I recalled yeah. it, but it was McDonald's All American. All good. Well, we will see you. We'll hear you again tomorrow, and I'll see you again. I, on I'm, I'm ready. Let's let's get some Hornets baseball going. Absolutely. So that will do it for our show today on this Monday. As always, we want to thank all those that tuned in and called in for Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Monday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.